Hey, listener, what's up? Thanks for checking out episode 122 of the Jock and Nerd podcast. We have a delightful guest joining us for the show. It's Kate Amatuzo from See Here's the Podcast. We chat about everything from Suicide Squad to Superman to Spider-Man. And then you're going to get to meet Kate and find out about her show. Recommendations from all the hosts, a little bit of listener feedback, all in this edition of the Jock and Nerd Weekly for Friday, August 19th, 2016. Let's get geeky. It's the Jockey Nerd Podcast with your hosts, Anthony and Imran. Jockey Nerd, hello. <coughs> I'm sorry. Hi, listener. How's it Holy going? Fuck. I don't know what happened. I got a little, little misdoubtfire in the throat. Thanks for tuning in. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. <laughs> and he's the nerd. And this is the Jock and Nerd Podcast. Welcome to the show. We have a delightful guest with us for this show, listener. Are you all right? Are you, are you okay, uh, first off? No, I'm fine. There was just, it was a little okay. frog in the throat. Made okay. me sound like Robin not, Williams. Not the old black lung, is it? Not the old, not yet anyways. Okay. Wait, before I introduce Kate, I forgot to ask her how to pronounce her last name. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, puppet. Uh, <laughs> there you go. My name is Kate Amatuzo. Okay, wait. I gotta, hey. I gotta redo this. I gotta cut it in. Good because oh, this is perfect. Damn it! This is the second time I've done this on the show. I <laughs> my entire life I've had so many different people get my name wrong. So it's for the record, it's Amatuzo. Or if you're in Western New York, Amatuzo. <laughs> See, there do, is. Do not cut this out, Imran. Right, this fine. is already gold. Look, my name is Imran, so I get it. I get people, and I never correct people. Listener, Kate runs an awesome pop culture website called See Here's the Thing that you can find at SeeHere'sTheThing.com, and she's co host of the corresponding podcast for the website called See Here's the Podcast. Kate, thank you so much for hanging out with us today. You're so welcome. I'm so happy to be here. <laughs> I like the name of that podcast and the, the name of that website just because it's so easy to remember already. He, and here's the thing. I say that all the time. Like, yeah. oh, that's almost a crutch. I'm always like, look, here's the thing. You know who else does? Alec Baldwin. <laughs> oh, well, that's okay. Oh, wait. Isn't that the name of his podcast? What's you his bet. podcast called? <laughs> you oh, yeah. His podcast is called Here's the Thing. So when, ah. I, yeah, when I named my blog, I didn't realize that. And then, so I was doing the whole, hey, how's my, how's my website doing on Google? And the first thing that pops up is like his podcast. Oh, crap. Oh, shit. You were like, there's your first one, by the way. She's going for 10 listeners. She's going for 10. Oh, shit. Uh, she has to earn them, though, Imran. Don't be liberal with this I'm going to start off. I got to give you a couple. But that one was definitely worth it. Because when you that realize that you named your website and podcast and Alec Baldwin has a similar sounding podcast, oh, that could be tricky. It could be helpful. Yes. I think it's helpful. Yes. Oh. Working for him because I think the show's finished now. I don't think the show is currently still recording. People could accidentally click on my link and go, this is not Alec Baldwin, but I'm intrigued. Close enough. all the stumblers. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Uh, any press is good press. Uh, for Kate and. Donald Trump would agree. <laughs> for, for our new listeners and for you, Kate, here's what's going to go on. This is uh, our weekly kind of geek digest of comic book, TV, and movie related news. We're going to geek out and discuss a couple things. And then we're going to get to meet Kate and find out her story. That's going to be fun. I got, and we're going to do a couple of recommendations, a little bit of listener feedback, and we're done. Boom, there it is. Boom shakalaka. But before we start, Kate, I want you to uh, quickly tell uh, the listener 
what the podcast is about. Well, honestly, our podcast started as a supplement to the blog, which it was born out of our our viewing of Batman versus Superman, honestly. Hell yeah. That's the, that was your first episode, wasn't it? That was, unfortunately. <laughs> wow, what a start. It was it was quite a start. It was supposed to be a, a written review, and I just kept thinking, I can't type about this. I think my brain was still in shock from the movie, but I just I started making an audio note on my iPhone. I thought, let's just talk about it. Let's just talk about the movie. And I pulled Patrick on, he's my fiance, and said, Hey, let's just let's just chat about what we thought. And that was our first episode, and we have about twenty two in the can. So, for a listener that hasn't listened to that episode, what? were your thoughts about Batman v Superman without giving away the entire episode? Of course. Um, I, I thought it was a very serious take on it. I was, I was not impressed with how dark the tone was of it. I was very shocked that I liked Ben Affleck. Oh. That, that I, was, I was going into the movie thinking that that was going to be my least favorite part, and it actually was one of the highlights. Um, Breakout was Wonder Woman for me. Um, but just, uh, I don't know, it was misguided. <laughs> it was so misguided. Interesting. It's interesting hearing from you because you say comics aren't your, your so it's a day. They're not. It's interesting to see what's your, what, uh, you know, what the perspective of, is of someone that isn't a hardcore comic book nerd. No, I, and I actually, after the movie was done, I went back to see um, some of the scenes that just boggled my mind. I mean, I, I think even comic book fans were a little confused with some of the Flash stuff and some of the alternate universe stuff with like what was it the nega nega superman i don't know if you want to call it that but um yeah i i i try to go back after i watch movies to get a little history on what i'm missing you know at least that movie gave birth to one good thing and that's your show you know it got you to make a podcast i think it's probably the most the most beneficial thing that movie has provided to the world well, thank you. <laughs> I'm just going to go on record and say that. But I love your You're also on record as Imran is saying that movie is a 7 out of 10. The, I just the ultimate cut. The ultimate <laughs> cut, not the theatrical cut. The, yeah, oh, but the theatrical is a 6 out of 10, right? Uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's, a, it's a low 6. Yeah. <laughs> but I agree. Look, this is great, though, because I love your guys' perspective of just being the person who doesn't you know, it's not seeing it like we're seeing it. It's so interesting. Uh, and we'll get into that in the news, which, what do you say? We get to the news. Here we go. The Jock and Nerd Podcast. So we had, we have just put out our Suicide Squad review in the last episode. But of course, you can talk about this movie till the cows come home. Because uh, there are so many crazy things that happen with this movie. I just want to touch base and find out. What Kate thought, because I listened to your review, and again, it was really interesting how you guys were approaching this movie, and you made a lot of good points that we as nerds who kind of, you know, had known these characters uh, didn't see, you know? Oh, okay. Well, um, I, I was so hopeful that this film was going to just be the, the runaway hit for me for the summer films, and oh, man, that second half of that film just let me down. <laughs> I, I I really liked it. Like I, we went to the movies the other day, and I thought I would see it again. I really wanted to like it a lot. I really did. I, I liked some of the characters. I liked uh, I liked the 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 setup of it. But then it just kind of like Batman versus Superman just kind of got lost for me. Hmm. Interesting. I I would agree. <laughs> 
I mean, you guys did make a good point. I listened to your review. It was very good. Uh, first of all, you guys are really, like, charming and so cute together. Oh, great, great chemistry. Totally false, no. <laughs> <laughs> you were, like, explaining to uh, your co-host, like, some of the comic book backstory. But he made a good point. He was like, I didn't understand why Waller was just, like, a gangster bitch for no reason. I could have used some backstory. And to us, like, we've known this character. We've been reading her for years. Uh, she nailed the character, but yes, they didn't actually tell you why she is the way she is. I I had to go online and look up, like, what was her deal? And, <laughs> and Okay, so her family was murdered? Why wasn't this in the film? Why couldn't they have, like, given her some layers? And, and I just don't understand why they didn't put that in. To me, she was just a one-dimensional character the whole time, and I didn't feel anything for her. That's very interesting right? perspective because I just I took it for granted that right. everyone just knew who Waller was. The wall, and I and, and wall, yeah, the wall, and then, yeah. and I, as you can see in my or listen to in our review, I thought Waller was great, but that is a very fair point. If you're a new fan, you don't see why Waller is such this such a huge bitch. I mean, I, you know, you forget like she's been in the the cartoon. Uh, she's been on the on Arrow. Uh, we've read her. Being this character, uh, it's, uh, they they nailed the character. But listen, this movie had eleven goddamn people in it. Uh, there's just not enough room to give everyone a backstory. May have been part of the problem. Unless you're X Men, which you try to give everybody a backstory. <laughs> Only Wolverine's backstory. That's all you gotta know. Uh, but you know, there was, and then it made me think of a couple things we didn't mention on, in the review, like. Waller just shows up at the end out of nowhere. Like they didn't, she was just fine, and she's like, "I got the app here." Oh my gosh, we 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 had so many questions about that end scene. Like number one, the the evil Samba that Enchantress yeah. was doing the whole time. So just, horrible. What was that? It was like the evil Macarena. Yeah. And then at the end, she somehow mysteriously gets free of the magical tentacles and and just has like a fresh press suit on and comes out like, hey, what's going on, guys? Right. She's hanging upside down with tentacles in her ear like a second before and then shit blows up and then she's like, hey, I got this uh, app. I can still blow your heads up. And also, why does the Enchantress would come down to a fist fight? What the fuck was that? What was the point of that? I, I was hoping someone would take us out of our misery and just destroy her right there. <laughs> her voice doesn't match up with the body. Right. Well, she's clearly voiced over, which is so strange. Like, I kind of wish that James Earl Jones was available. That would have <laughs> <laughs> that would have been great. She's voiced over. She's CGI. She's doing really bad gypsy a uh, gypsy dance. We have I don't know. Look, here's the thing: this movie is still making money. Like the second week, it was number one internationally. It's made over five hundred million dollars worldwide. That's pretty impressive because yeah. it's banned in China, too. Yes, and it's still – it hasn't opened in Germany and Japan. So it's still opening. It's still going to make more money. You know what else people are, are enjoying that I did not like is this soundtrack. AV Club, by the way, are brutal. They don't like the Suicide Squad headline. A lot of people are torturing themselves with the Suicide Squad soundtrack. It's at the top of the charts. That's surprising because it's <laughs> – Songs that are original that have already been out. Yes. And uh, the one that people are freaking out over is Panic at the Disco's Bohemian Rhapsody. You know, I actually didn't get a chance to check out their cover. What what can you what is that like? You know, 
as a teacher, it's going to, I know a lot of my students like Panic at the Disco. And so for them, they're going to hear this song and they're going to go, oh, what a great song. They're not going to know it was d- originally done by Queen. They're going to have. Yeah, they're going to think Queen ripped off Panic at the Disco. Absolutely. And this is the same group that, that redid This is Halloween for Nightmare Before Christmas. Oh, they did that too? What are they doing? Why do they keep their grubby mitts off their uh, favorite songs? Cover after cover. Um, I, it was fine. It, it wasn't totally disrespectful. I mean, but people are going to find something to rant and rave about. What I did check out was the uh, Skrillex Rick Ross video <laughs> for the song Purple Lamborghini. You guys seen this? Yeah. Anthony, what did you think of uh, the song in the video? Oh, in the video, I think it's funny that they have the Joker like in a music video. I think I, that the whole basis of that is, is just funny to me. But the so- actual song itself, I don't mind all that much. But I, I laugh that they have Jared Leto acting like the Joker in this video. It's a lot. It reminds me of uh, Bobby Brown's On Our Own from Ghostbusters 2. Oh, shit. You guys remember that? Where he's kind of singing the story of... It's like oh, yeah. campy. And uh, it's like... So in the video... The Joker is just hanging out in this club with the, with the, with all the people dancing, and then there's some hoopties, and then they just go on a boat ride for no reason. It's kind of like Lonely Planets. I'm on a boat. Uh, yeah, I got that same vibe. What? I'm on a boat. Purple, purple Lamborghini. First of all, there's a fucking Lamborghini in the video. Second of all, that car is not even a Lamborghini. Did you know that? No. <laughs> the car is actually an Infiniti G35 Coupe modified. With something called a Vador fiberglass body. It's like a kit you buy and you put it on an Infinity G35 coupe and you could paint it. But I mean, I, I haven't paused on the point where they're on the boat and it's Skrillex, Rick Ross, and the fucking Joker. <laughs> like, that, that's just, just laughable that they had wasn't, three on the that boat. That was the together. original Suicide Squad. Yeah, that should have been. Wasn't Skrillex in the movie in that one scene, like with him? I felt like I saw that dude. Uh, I, you know what? I didn't catch it, so I, I don't know. I think he was the one Samba dancing. Oh, he was behind. He was the one stupid puppet monster. Uh, so the, the, the fact that there was no bass drop in that song and Skrillex wrote it. <laughs> I was waiting the whole time for drop the bass and there was none. It's not all about the bass, is it, Skrillex? You fucker. Uh, let me ask you guys this. The post credit scene or the mid credit scene. A, was it necessary and B, do we like Batfleck kind of being like the Nick Fury of the DCEU? Um, it was very important. You want to know why? Why? Because we finally found out that Waller drinks wine. We know something about her. Oh, there you go. And she knows he's Batman. Yeah. It's like, oh, they just kind of know each other pretty well. Like, okay, and where have you been through the entire movie, Batman? <laughs> right. Why did you show up when there was a trash circle in the sky destroying secret <laughs> military sites? <laughs> I actually didn't. I Honestly, I didn't have a problem with the post credit scene. It is very Marvel-esque, yeah. but I, it works for Marvel. I'm cool with DC copping it, too. And, and, I, and I don't mind him being the Nick Fury of the DCEU yeah. because if – we're going by what Batman's character is. He probably would be the guy to assemble a team like this. Well, it's or he would. He might. Be, it's it's plausible that he would be the guy. There's also other members of the Justice League that that could take that role too. But what I like about it is there is a. It's like Tower of Babel, right? Anything? Yes, Kate. There's a, so. uh, a trade paperback Batman story. It's really good. It's called Tower of Babel. I'm thinking of like my Bible study. No, <laughs> no, not to- similar yet different. 
yet completely different. It's a great story in which you find out Batman has a contingency plan for all of the Justice League secretly because he's like, look, you guys are gods and aliens and monsters and I'm just a dude. I need something to take everybody down. And, you know, it's like the team finds out and they don't know if they can trust him. Uh, it's really good. So I like that kind of uh, Batfleck kind of being starting that in this universe. I was kind of disappointed with the end credit scene just because I felt like we didn't learn anything new. Like we know Justice League's coming out. That's pretty that, obvious. That is true. Yeah. But it, I just feel like we needed a scene like when we had Loki and the Tesseract at the end of the one movie and, and Thor's hammer or Thanos coming out at the end of Avengers like that, that leaves you feeling hyped for the next film. And this was just kind of like, yeah, dude, we know like <laughs> we get it. They're trying. Even when they copy Marvel, they still kind of miss the mark a little bit. Plus, now I really feel like they had a huge chance to turn Joker into kind of their Loki. And they just fucking... Did you guys like Joker? Did you like Jared Leto? I didn't get to see enough of him. (laughs) Yeah, what I did see, I I didn't particularly care for. Yeah, but I didn't have... He didn't make enough of an impression on me because... They cut him out of the film. Yeah, I mean, I, I when after I saw it, I, I had this conflict in my head. Like, isn't he supposed to be not as nice to Harley Quinn? Yeah, they cut all that yeah, shit. They, out. they cut. They edited a lot of that out. He he was originally filmed to be a, just a, a very abusive person to her, and they kind of backed off that because they didn't want. Because you know, a lot of young girls are going to leave this film, and they're going to be like, "Oh my god, he's so dreamy." Yeah, he was. A, right. I mean, he, he was a hit of acid for her. Isn't that lovely? And. The- <laughs> That's the funny thing about and, and you know, listening back to our review, yeah, to make it lighter in a reaction to Batman versus Superman, they kind of changed the relationship. Now, yeah, what I've learned listening back to our review is you can't win with nerds because we decried Batman versus Superman for being too dark. We're like, lighten up, lighten up, Francis. Put some jokes in there. And then they come out with this thing. Light, pop, fun, blockbuster, popcorn movie. And we're like... Hey, maybe they could have went a little bit darker with it. I don't know. Like, it's just no pleasing us. Well, let me clarify that a little bit. Batman and Superman, especially Superman, I don't think that character is meant to be in a lot of dark stories. Right. I think that character is a sign of hope, sign of uh, the, the Ameri- you know, not the American way, but the best of humanity. There's, there's hope. Superman's whole deal is hope and, and progress and nurturing so to put him in a dark film, it just doesn't fit. It's incongruent to the character. Whereas Suicide Squad is a movie about villains. So a movie about villains, especially these crazy motherfucking villains that do horrible things, that kind of fits with more of a dark tone. So it's all about what the characters are and staying true to who the characters are and putting them in settings that accentuate who the characters are and what they're all about. It's also Warner Brothers just doing things ass backwards. As usual. Maybe. Maybe. I, I feel like they succeeded in a way that I did care about the villains. Like, yes, they set them up and they've told all their backstories. And, and yet I found myself halfway through going, I like all these guys. Like, yes. I want them to maybe break away from, from Waller and, yeah. and everybody else. But I feel like, oh, they, they just surrounded them with too much unnecessary plot. And, and the action sequences were never gratifying for me. No, there, yeah. yeah, there was, I mean, that one, the one scene where Deadshot finally, he gets off on the, on top of the car and he's just taking everybody out. Like when I saw it, the, there was a little cheer that broke out, but 
that's the only thing that saves this movie is those that cast no, there's interacting. Nothing, there's nothing remarkable about these fight scenes. And what's crazy about that is you have a, a bunch of villains that have a wide variety of, of skill sets here. And at the end of the day, it's just them shooting guns at blockheads. I don't even know what the fuck those villains arm. were. Yeah, there you go. I had a Farachi brought up a good point. Devin Farachi, who writes for Birth Movies Death, um, brought up a real good point. And I thought of this when Kate mentioned it is it's kind of weird and sad that Deadshot comes off a little a lot more heroic than Superman ever did in Batman versus Superman. That's a good point. (laughs) Oh, boy. Good segue, Anthony. Speaking of the Superman. I thought of that. I knew I knew there was a rumor is Man of Steel 2. Back in active development at WB. Geek Boner. Uh, that's crazy. Could this be some more Jeff Johns influence now that he's president? Did I cause that Geek Boner? Uh, no. <laughs> yes. <laughs> How do you answer that? Well, I don't I, know. We have a woman. On, no. A married woman. Uh, uh, I don't know. She put me on the spot there. Uh, <laughs> sure. Yeah. But let's, just, let's just plow right through that one. Did you think he How caused about- it? I don't know. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> It depends on the inflection. <laughs> it does. That one, there's only one. I only did one delivery for that one. Uh, Geek Boner, though, because I think Man of Steel does de- deserve another shot. Like, we've kind of forgotten about him. He barely has any lines. I mean, he even him and Wonder Woman don't exchange any lines in Batman versus Superman. This is why it was so dumb to kill yes. Superman yes. at the end of Batman v Superman. Yes. Because we all know he's coming back. What kind of red? That's not even a red herring. It's just oh, we're just he gonna just gave him. it away. Yeah, and, then, and now we're gonna make a Man of Steel too. Okay, he's in all the ads for Justice League. Okay, then why did you kill him? Because <laughs> they don't know what they're doing. I'm not even a comic book person, and I figured it out. Like, okay, no, he can't stay dead. He's right. Superman. You can't yes. kill Superman. <laughs> no, they show you. So it begs the question, guys, who do we want (laughs) to direct and write this? Definitely not Zack Snyder with David S. Goyer uh, writing, please. I think it needs to be Paul Feig, and I think that we need to have an all-woman Superman. (laughs) There you go. That that deserves it. (laughs) Listen, that's how you really make all the fanboys' heads explode. I think that could break the internet. (laughs) Just consider the fact. Just picture this. Yes. Pitch me me this. I'm in the elevator with you, Kate. Pitch me the movie. I've got got a great star for you that's going to be a radical Superman. Sounds great, doll. Who is it? Melissa McCarthy. Ah! Oh, shit. Uh, I got to get off. <laughs> ah! <laughs> this is my floor. Uh, <laughs> that's a good pitch. Uh, but <laughs> the rap is reporting this. Uh, also, rumor J.J. Abrams uh, kind of uh, is interested, which would give him just everything. Star Wars, Star Trek, Superman, just give him everything. Uh, I mean, the movie wouldn't take any risks, that's for sure. Oh, snap. That You get, oh, you get one for that. Shit. I, I'd like to throw out an actual candidate, not a fake okay. one. Okay, yes. Okay. Um, I was very interested to see Matt Vaughn's name on the list. Ah, Matthew Vaughn, who did... Uh, I like that. Did, uh, what was his superhero? First Class. That's right, he did, he did X-Men First Class. Yes. I like both of those movies. I like Matthew Vaughn. That's a good pull. Yeah. Uh, he like would, I said, I, I'm just... I'm, I saw... His name just for Kingsman. I really enjoyed Kingsman. I'm really looking forward to the next movie. There is a sequel. Uh, so if we want, sometimes we like to speculate on these rumors. I got a list of rumors here via Reddit. Some of these are kind of interesting regarding all of the movies. Top, so top candidate to direct Man of Steel 2, 
Doug Lyman, J.J. Abrams, and Edgar Wright. I, listen, listener, none of this is confirmed. This is all just speculation. Can, can you imagine a Zack Snyder Man of Steel, which we actually don't need to imagine. No, we fucking yeah, saw, we it. saw it. That it, shit. Was hor- it wasn't great. It wasn't the best. Um, wasn't the best. Not horrible. Batman v Superman was horrible. <laughs> Anyways, um, can you imagine then following that up with Edgar Wright doing Superman? Like, how wacky would that be? Edgar Wright would want to make, like, he wanted an ant. He wanted to actually make Ant Man as uh, an ant who turns into a guy or something like the reverse, some like wacky B movie sci fi idea. He would he would like go and like depower Superman, or so that Henry Cavill would have to jump out of the role, and Michael Sarah would have to jump. <laughs> oh <in>. no! <laughs> I like that. <laughs> It's like this skinny ass Superman. He's like, there's no sun anymore. He lost all his powers because he's not hitting the sun. The skinny motherfucker. He's Michael Sarah. Like reverse Chris Evans in, in Captain America. Exactly. He's Benjamin Button's Superman. What is going on? Uh, Doug Lyman, though, who did uh, Edge of Tomorrow, which is uh, that was a great movie, well directed, and he's done Go. I really like Doug Lyman. I think that's not that's not a bad pull too. He could be. He's got action and he's got. Comedy and good timing down. That could be good. That could be good. Uh, moving on. Lots of shaky cam. L- yeah. Lots of shaky cam. And yeah. then J.J. Abrams is just Superman with lens flare. Uh, lens flare. Top <laughs> candidates to direct Shazam oh. are Sam Raimi and Sean <laughs> Levy. I don't know who Sean Levy is. But Sam Raimi, Shazam, that could be campy that'd be, fun. That'd be cool. Yeah. Uh, it says here, New Gods will be directed by George Miller. Mad Max. Yes, the Mad Max Mad guy. Max. And New Gods is like their, it's kind of like their Asgardians a little bit, right? A little is that bit. how you explain yeah, yeah, yeah. it? Yeah. It's not like a CW spinoff. Ooh, that could be good. The Asgardians. The Asgardians. Asgardians. <laughs> it's like the Californians. <laughs> what are you doing here? Uh, <laughs> uh, Alfonso Cuaron is on talks to direct Green Lantern Corps. That's, I don't even know who that is. Uh, he, that's, isn't he Pan's Labyrinth? Uh, I thought that was Del Toro. Hold on. We'll look he's, he's Prisoner of Azkaban. Oh, that's right. He did a Harry Potter movie. Yes. Quaron directed. Yeah. And that's like, he did one of the oh, better he did ones. Gravity, too. Ah, Gravity. That's his movie. That's a fucking dope movie. And E2 Mama Tambien, you know, he came up with these, uh, came in with independent, <laughs> independent uh, <laughs> Spanish movies. Uh, <laughs> well, what else we got? Uh, Patty Jenkins might direct Justice League, too. So Patty Jenkins right now, is, she directed Wonder Woman, which I'm. Ooh. I'm still excited for, despite what fucking they're showing us. It's, I will throw in me too. I'm still excited. I'm still excited. They like it's gonna take a couple of movies for them to fix their universe. Show me the Wonder Woman. What they've shown us already has been awesome. What do you think of the Wonder Woman trailer there? Oh, I'm I I like that more than Suicide Squad. <laughs> yeah, I yeah. wanted more of that that the uh, the fight sequences they showed were just. Oh. Stunning. And I'm like, that's yes. what we needed in Suicide Squad to show everybody just kicking ass and having a good time. And they didn't. They cut all those scenes out for some reason. There was like, a, you know, the scene where they're in the bar was like longer. I wanted to see that. Just show me them hanging out. You know what we should do? Yeah. We should sue them. <laughs> I got a petition. <laughs> Shall we start a petition? So yeah. the next rumor, David Ayer will direct Suicide Squad 2. Oh, shit. Yeah, that one. Oh, there you go. You did it yourself. Uh, <laughs> so I think he's going to get, I mean, it's making a lot of money, so they're going to just roll with another one. Uh, the next rumor says Warner Brothers will be making casting and film announcements for their films in early September. I hope that's true. 
I hope it's not in a boardroom like they did when they initially announced all their movies. Well, th- this is the problem with the Suicide Squad. They announced all these dates, and Ayer had he had this what you get when you have six weeks to write a script when you are you are pigeonholing your talent. You're like, here's the date, here's when we're shooting. Uh, go write a script. You have six weeks. It doesn't work that way. Uh, no, it does. Now it does. I guess it could. Now it has to. Now it That's how you make movies now. Ocean yeah. Master will be an Aquaman, but Black Manta will be the main villain. We talked about this before, how rumored Black Manta, main villain in Jason Momoa's Aquaman. Woo. Ocean Master is being saved for a later film. Thoughts on Momoa there, Kate? Oh, I, yeah. you know, I'm a big Game of Thrones fan. Ah. So I think Khal Drogo died too soon, so I'm happy to see him in another universe. Kate, does this Ocean Master and Black Manta, does this seem just like foreign language to you? Or do you, are you, you know what? I, I did read a little bit about it before. Okay. All right. <laughs> I'm trying real hard to improvise an answer to who they are. Ocean, Ocean, Ma- yeah, Ma- Ocean Master is basically Ocean like I know the who Ocean Master. Man is. Well, he's a master. He's but the guy that controls Shamu. Oh, that, that, it's, that is a different man. Similar, world. again, yet different. <laughs> Not right. Similar, okay. yet different. Again. Ocean, Ocean Master is like the, the Loki to Thor in terms of like being the brother that kind of sucks. So he's a brunette. He's a, he's, uh, I think so. Yes, he's, uh, he's, a, he's Aquaman's but, brother. Evil brother. He's Aquaman's brother that is uh, not so nice. Well, he wants to take over the throne of Atlantis, blah, right. blah, blah. Is challenged by Arthur, who's Aquaman, yada, yada. So hang on. We have Aquaman. Yes. And he decided yes. that his name was going to be Ocean Man. O- o- Ocean Master. Ocean, I'm sorry he had to it, But yeah. his name is actually Orm. And then, you know, as DC has a uh, tendency to have really shitty names. Just they have the worst, most obvious, like they're not even trying. This is one of them. Well, what was the one guy's name in Suicide Squad? Like, what was it, Slipknot or Slipshot? S- yeah, Slipknot, the guy that was uh, barely in the movie. Isn't Slipknot a band? It is. <laughs> it is. It, it is wasn't band. Uh, the band uh, was is, was better. Yeah, Slipknot was in Suicide Squad. Yes. <laughs> a Slipknot is also a kind of knot too. It's a stopper. It's an actual undone by pulling on the tail. This is what I mean about the DC names. They have a character <laughs> named Matter Eating Lad, whose power is he just eats things. Yeah. Well, it's to the point. You know what he's capable of. <laughs> Lame. That's true. Like that. The name tells you there's no question once you in- meet a DC superhero. Uh, Final two, Deathstroke will be in Suicide Squad 2, which Deathstroke is another great character. We've seen him in Arrow. He's another assassin. It's kind of similar to Deadshot. They're kind of buddies and enemies. Similar, similar but... Uh... His whole deal is that he can, he uses he optimizes his brain. So the thought is that we only use like what fifty percent of our brain, or maybe less. Oh, and he uses like ninety percent, like of his Lucy. Brain. Oh yeah. yeah, he's he's all in on using his fucking brain. Like that so really he's bad awesome. Bradley Cooper movie. That was, I like that movie. What was that called? That was uh, you take the pill. I wanted that pill. Limitless. Oh, Limitless. That's yeah. right. Show. There was a TV show too. I kind of wanted that pill, uh, but those are. We'll see if any of these rumors pan out. You know, as rumors on the internet are. You can always trust the internet. You can look. Always. I I believe everything I read. Uh, let's move on to some Marvel movie news. We have some information, listener. Some big news about Spider Man Homecoming. Oh my lord! Uh, but I'm going to start with the less contentious uh, bit of news that came out, and that's I'm not sure why the the next cont- bit is contentious. But 
Continue. You'll find out. Listen, this bit is not this bit could be contentious. Basically, we've seen we've got a look at some marketing for the first time from Spider-Man Homecoming. It's coming out next year in July. I guess this was taken at a Las Vegas trade show. There's a poster and it's it's basically just him in the full suit that we've seen from Civil War hanging upside down with the, just a really fun like two-finger salute as if to say How's it going out there? You know, like perfect Spider-Man body language. You get to see his shooters. His web shooters are on the outside. Um, and you see more of the suit. Uh, Kate, what do you think of this pose in this poster? I think it's so lovely that right? they're letting high school students create posters for their. <laughs> oh, no. Oh, shit. She's earning these. Let me tell you what. <laughs> I, 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 I could have sworn it was like a, a retro trading card. It just, it didn't, I don't like it. Yeah. Uh, So I was, you know, we saw these set shots before and he had these lines in the blue. uh, And and so these, I don't, still don't understand what these lines are in the blue. I appreciate the pose and the playfulness, but it looks kind of weird, I guess. Anthony, your thoughts? It's it's a cheap post, right? (laughs) I mean, there's not a lot going on here. There's really... They put in very minimal effort yeah. into uh, making this poster. It's kind of surprising. It's like somebody found the Spider-Man font online because there's that cute little Spidey yeah. of Homecoming. Oh, that's so cute. <laughs> the logo is very – it's playful, but it looks like – it does look like a 90s animated show. Like this is the logo for the cartoon show or something. I'm not even cr- criticizing the logo so much as this – there's nothing going on. He's just hanging out, hanging, He's hanging upside, upside down. down in Spider-Man fashion. And the little mm. spider still bugs me. Spider should be bigger. Look, li- Kate, I don't know if you know, the listeners know, if you're, uh, I'm a huge Spider-Man fan to a fault. Like, if you if you watched any of our Blab shows, I literally, I wear a Spider-Man hoodie and I have a giant Spider-Man mural behind me. Is this it's, actually a picture of you I'm looking at then? It might be in the hoodie. Oh, <laughs> I don't think that web would support me, though. That's the only problem. They're, they're, you, if you throw a tire into his midsection, <laughs> like, that's, the, that's the Times Square <laughs> Spider-Man. Oh, no. Uh, no I've that guy. <laughs> I think that guy's, that guy's doing five to seven for something. I don't know. Uh, but let's get to the big news, the contentious news that – Almost damn near broke the internet just yesterday. Now, we know this cast is crazy. It's a crazy, diverse cast. Zendaya, uh, uh, someone from the Disney Channel who we're not really familiar with, we know she was cast, and they were telling us she was cast as somebody named Michelle. Now, we should have seen this coming. And I don't know if this is completely confirmed, confirmed. Anthony, is it hard confirmed? Uh, I mean, it, enough sites have reported it, and I kind of trust... Uh, a few of them that did, like Birth Movies, Death, and Collider, right. and, and, and I trust it. So, I, yeah, I think it's... Zendaya, listener, she's playing Mary Jane Watson! Oh, shit! In Spider-Man Homecoming, Peter's love interest. And uh, I was expecting the internet to damn near explode, but it didn't seem that bad. Mm, no, not at no. all. Right? Are you guys fans of The Office? Yes. You know that the the gif on the internet, the Michael Scott gif of him yelling no? Yeah, no, no, no! What I feel like today with this casting. Oh, wow. Let's start there. What are your thoughts on this, Kate? You know, I I used to watch the animated show. Yes. um, And I, like I said, not not a lot of comic book, but I also have seen the Tobey Maguire movies and I've seen the Andrew Garfield movies. Much more of a fan of the Andrew Garfield movies. Okay. 
it just she's isn't she the redhead? Isn't she supposed to be redhead? Like traditionally, yes. Mary Jade is the redhead. Or like Zendaya makes no sense. One website did say that like, oh, you know, she's gonna do the whole frumpy thing to model thing really well. I'm like, yeah, well so can anybody with some makeup and a fake nose or something, but oh, she's just it's just another Disney star trying to be an actress. Like, oh man, Rugboy's gonna ooh. love you. God damn it. Oh, Nailed it because uh, in, okay, so my first reaction was, gut reaction was, wow, that's balls. Good for them. <laughs> you know, and, I, and I'm like a huge Spider-Man fan. I thought I would be really upset at this, but I, what they're doing with this cast already, I don't know if this girl can act. My only question was, I think the first question everyone had is, who the fuck is Zendaya? And can she act? You know what? If she can't, she has a book out. She's written a book. She's only 19. Wow. She has a she wrote a book? She and didn't she start as a model? You bet. And the book's title is Between You and Me and the U is just a letter, the letter U. Oh, of course it is. You rock your years with style and <laughs> Wow. So she's got a style book. That's good. Uh, Kate, are you familiar with her work at all? Do you watch the um, Disney Channel? You know what? I I teach middle school children. Oh. Unfortunately, I'm up to date. And it's just the same, you know, nasal singing that you get from anybody else that is her age from the Disney Channel. And I'm not a fan. I, I She's real famous for the song Replay. Ugh, that song? No. Let me give you a little no. snippet. You ready? Oh, yeah, yeah. That's just that's basically it the whole time. I'm sorry. Was that a baby crying? Oh shit! I didn't. Uh, so she's a, a, f- a corporate fabricated uh, pop star. Yeah. Uh, you, if you look at her filmography, it's not very impressive. She's done a little bit of voice work, but again, they're all kind of they're 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 animated things or there's things straight out of Disney. She has been on Dancing with the Stars, so. If there's dancing in the Spider-Man film, she's got there's, it there, There's a homecoming dance. There'll definitely be a dance. Uh, so this, yeah, so this is interesting. Anthony, what was your initial uh, reaction when you heard this news? I'll, I'll, I'll pose some questions at you, Imran. Okay. Uh, Mary Jane, is she defined by being a white redhead? Well, look, hair, hair is the character of Mary no, Jane. I, what's, no. Give yes me, or I mean, no? I, what, yeah, yes or no. No. No, Okay. If this girl can act and she plays a role and it's true to her, true to Mary Jane's character, I see no issue with it whatsoever. She can dye her head, her hair red. I don't care. Black people dye their hair all different colors. And there, yeah, and there, there's a there's a shot out there. I think I retweeted it with her with red hair, and she looks great. I was like, if, okay. I've read this a few times. If a character is defined by just their race, then what kind of character is that? A pretty pathetic character, correct? I'll agree. So. I see no issue with it. This is not a period piece. This is not a film based in the 60s when this was created. Right. This is a modern interpretation of high school in New York. A high school in New York is very diverse. I see no reason why Mary Jane Watson couldn't be a black chick. And literally the only reason she's a redhead is because Stanley thought redheads were hot. Like that's pretty right. much it. Like he wrote all these characters and it was. But I am 60s. curious. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I mean, I am curious though what your definition of what Mary Jane should be. So here, uh, well, let me tell you, let's do a little bit of backstory, uh, how she was introduced in the book, which is kind of part of who she is. So she was first mentioned in uh, Spider-Man 25 and the way they showed her, they didn't show her face. It was obscured. She was the niece of Aunt May's next door neighbor. So Aunt May's friend next door has this girl, Mary Jane Watson and Aunt May's trying to hook Peter up for a year 
<laughs> he's trying to be, she's pleading him, put a set up on this blind date. And Peter's like, of course, he doesn't think it's going to work out. He's like, nah, I, I, look, I can't do it. He's making, making excuses. 17 issues go by. We finally meet Mary Jane and Peter sees that she's just this beautiful woman who happens to be a redhead who is a model. And to me, what makes Mary Jane is she's a little bit crazy. She's fun loving. She likes to party. You don't know why she's into Peter, but she she likes his his brains and she's tougher than you think she is. She's very tough and she calls Peter Tiger. That's all you need for Mary Jane. Those things. Now, is that dependent on her being white with red hair? I don't think so. Thoughts, Kate? I, I'm more honestly. I'm I'm more concerned with just can she can she act? I'm, yes. I am. Yes. And I'm biased yes. because you know, like I said, I, I have a lot of students that bring me these songs they want to sing from from these people they look up to that that are on the Disney Channel, and I don't know if any of them are that successful apart from Miley Cyrus. And and let's let's take a look at that one. For- <laughs> <laughs> it's not the best role model or path for them. I don't think. Well, I mean, I'd like to be pleasantly surprised and. Like like with Ben Affleck, I'd like to say, hey, you know, she did a really good job and good for her. And I, I I'm just basing this off of what I what I got out of the animated series I used to watch and, right. and prior knowledge of of who's played Mary Jane. You know, we had um, Kirsten Dunst and we had Emma Stone. Um, really liked Emma Stone as well. Mary- she was Gwen Stacy. I'm sorry, she was the other one. But they had uh, Shailene Woodley was actually cast as Mary Jane Watson, and they cut all her stuff out. I did read that, yeah. yeah. And I, I like Shailene Woodley. I, I have liked what I've seen her in, but I don't know. I'll 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 reserve judgment till I see it. I guess. Absolutely. I mean, I think. Well, let me just throw in though what uh, Kate just said is, to me, in my opinion, the only valid argument for not liking Zendaya is if you don't think she can act, then yeah, you definitely can be like, man, Zendaya, that sucks. I don't want Zendaya. She can't act. Publicity stunt a little bit, like. Yeah, that's where, where's the line from, you know, casting diverse because the talent is there between that and pandering to kids who love Zendaya or to feel like you're diverse. Like, where's this line? Because Marvel kind of has a problem with it, but kind of they make up for it at the same time. Well, to me, Spider-Man was a standout in Civil War. I was I was not a big fan of the whole let's reboot Spider-Man one more time and let's make him really young. Right. I was kind of turned off by that. But then when he performed in the movie, I was like, oh my God, he's so derpy and lovable. Yep. This is going to be an amazing film. And they're going to have Marissa Tomei and they're going to have Robert Downey Jr. And then Zendaya. It's just <laughs> like the Sesame Street game. One of these things is not quite like the other. <laughs> Half the cast is uh, like from the Disney Channel. So they're really pushing for this, this market. And it does make me worry is this is this going to be the most corporate Disney-fied version of Marvel we're going to get yet? Let me throw in another perspective, though, because this this cast is pretty diverse. It's great, I would say. Yeah, it's great, which is what a lot of people are asking for. They're going, "Where's the diversity in these movies? Where's the diversity in these blockbuster films?" So then Disney gives it to you, and then people are going to be like, "Wait, this is pandering." Yeah. This is so corporate. Oh, my God. So what are the terms? Either you want diversity or you don't. You don't get to say, I want diversity, but then say, nah, man, make it gradual. Make it, make it on all at small once doesn't indie count. films. Right. Yeah, all, but if you do it all at once on a corporate film, man, you're just paying. It's, it's, what, 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 how, what is the line? What there, is the, and it's such a like, no-win situation. Because yeah. had they made up a character for Zendaya and say it was Michelle – 
People have been like, why don't you cast her as MJ? You cast her as MJ and this happens. Like, you can't win. You can't win with this. So I applaud them for taking a risk. Look, we've had Kristen Dunst be a redhead MJ. And to be honest, I love the Sam Raimi movies. She didn't really set the bar that high, though, honestly, in terms of what you want out of a Mary Jane. Well, she, she was basically damsel in distress. The whole time, always falling and and uh, and screaming and stuff. So let's try. I'm all for trying something different. And really, I should be the one who should be the most upset that they're changing this. Like, if you're a traditionalist, you're a purist, these guys are going to have a problem. But it comes down to character, essence of character and writing. That's all That's all that really ultimately matters. And you're right. you got to update this. It's not this, It's not the 60s anymore. This is, these aren't real people. These superheroes are <laughs> mythology. And mythologies need to be updated with the times for the moral of the story still to kind of work. I think it's so tough when you have something that comes from either a comic book or just a regular novel, kind of like Harry Potter. When when you read it, you get a, an image in your head that is yeah. unique to yourself and your experience. So when you see the cast that come out, you're like, that's not how I pictured it. And, oh, yeah. man, it's going to be terrible. So people are very protective of the worlds they create in their heads and the images that they associate with these characters. So you're always going to have this kind of debate for especially comic book because some of these characters, like I've, you know, we've 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 known them for years, decades. Like how it's hard to uh, be faithful to the whole part of that sometimes with fifty years of history and stories and whatnot. There's a a cool uh, or a nice tweet that uh, was posted on our community page, jockandnerd.com, or Jock and Nerd community on Facebook. You can't put a tweet on... Oh, wait, there you can. Sorry, go There's ahead. a screenshot of a tweet. Yes, share it. Posted by uh, Matt Delhauer, which is actually by Dan Slott, Rugboy's favorite Spider-Man writer. Rugboy hates Dan Slott. He loves Dan Slott, even though he's <laughs> barely read any of his material. But um, basically, Dan Slott goes, Heroes and great characters come in every color, and they are for everyone, everyone in caps. There's nothing about Peter Parker or Mary Jane that has H A S capitalized to be white, and I I agree with that. I I don't see why these char- I don't see why Peter Parker couldn't be a black guy. I, I don't see why Peter Parker couldn't be an Indian guy. I don't see why he couldn't be a, a Mexican guy. At the end of the day, as long as the character is the same, I don't give a fuck what color they look like. To be honest with you. Well, look and, at look at how successful Hamilton has been with all the colorblind casting and how. Yeah. You look at those performances by people like the the guy that plays uh, Thomas Jefferson, the guy that plays George Washington. These these are these are people that are cast, and and now you can't imagine anybody else playing that role. I mean, and similar DC has done. You know, we have uh, Wally West, uh, Jimmy Olsen, Iris West, all redheads are now cast uh, with black actors, which I think is kind of funny. They're just taking all the redheads. And, well, uh, I mean, and if, if you're going to take the stance of, and I'm not accusing you, Kate, or you, Imran, I'm just saying in general, if you're going to take the stance of, well, it has to be authentic to the comics, well, then you better pipe up when Deadshot becomes a black guy in film. You better pipe <laughs> up when Barry Allen isn't a fucking a, blonde. A blonde, supposed to, yeah. Yeah, you better pipe up when, uh, what's his name, Human Torch, uh, what's his name? Yeah. So Michael B. Jordan. Michael B. Jordan's a black, not a black. There's no precedent for him being a black guy in the comics. So either you're against all of it or you're for, you don't care. And you're for, uh, you know, racial diversity for characters that essentially aren't tied to their race, really. I mean, the only guys that I can think of that are tied to their race in comics right now are like Black Panther because he's the king of a, an African country. 
that wouldn't make sense if he was a white guy or an Hispanic guy because what the hell is a Hispanic guy doing in the middle of Africa? And at the to the same to your point, we have a white comic book accurate Superman who completely misses the point of the character of oh, Superman. Shit. So it goes both ways. And I guess I'll say like I, I. I know what I would watch when I was younger, and that was the animated cartoon. So, in my mind, Mary Jane had to be that. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. I totally and, understand that argument. Too. Yeah, right. So, the other, the other castings that you brought up are not as tied to my childhood. So, to me, I, you do whatever you want. Like, but that is what I picture Mary Jane to be. And again, I think my knee-jerk reaction was, oh, like, is this going to be like another singer-turned-actor thing where... Yeah. She's just known for being Zendaya, and oh, let's just hope to God she can, she can act. She's going to be, let's hope, because she's going to be a household name after this movie comes out. I, I got an interesting comment that I didn't expect on the yeah. Jockner community page. Yeah. Basically what uh, Kevin Heldon from 365 Flicks, I'm just going to pull up what he thought about it. And I thought it was <laughs> kind of funny and pretty interesting. He goes... As you guys know, I have three girls, and Disney Channel is required viewing in my house. Dot, dot, dot. This chick can actually act, so it doesn't matter what role she plays. She is going to nail it from all the casting and whatnot. I honestly think she will be the shining light of this movie. So there's that from someone that watches the Disney Channel religiously. But it does bring up the point, Kate. You said... This is like I think this is the first like really big iconic Marvel character that they have race bended, uh, the most recognizable so far. For sure, show. for sure. It, it's a it's an interesting risk. I hope it pays off. Hopefully, they've seen the girl. She's got the talent. We'll have to see what happens. It's exciting. And I, I will even say I didn't even realize Deadshot in the comics was white. I just. Yeah, he's he's white with like he's a slimy guy. mustache. He's a little more scumbaggy. Uh, but I like De- Will Smith plays like a different version of that. He's like plays like a Will Smith Deadshot. That's all. And where where was the the much needed Will Smith rap song rapping about the Suicide Squad that is in every film he's usually in? <laughs> yeah, where's the, the Wild Wild West? And that usually accompanies with a dance. I mean, yeah, he had Wild Wild West getting jiggy okay. with it. Was that a movie? Getting jiggy with it with uh, for Men in Black. Oh, God. Listen, Summertime is still the best fucking summer rap song ever. I'm sorry. It's a classic. Get out of here. Miami. Welcome to Miami. <laughs> nah, fuck that. Summertime's way better. <laughs> fuck Miami. Florida is best a crazy time. state. Sorry. <laughs> okay, let's move on to uh, a, a crappier uh, Marvel property that hasn't been handled at all yet, ever. Of course, I'm talking about the Fantastic Four. <laughs> I prepared for this one today. So basically, the screenwriter, we've uh, uh, Jeremy Slater, like a year later, Ooh, comes nice out. Timing right there. I like that. Slater, a year later, it comes out and he's talked about what the original movie was. He talks about what happened during his tenure. He wrote 10 to 15 drafts over a six month period before being replaced. Uh, Slater describes his script as having lots of humor, lots of heart, lots of spectacle. Uh, Nothing like Trank's version. He envisioned it as a sort of Hogwarts for nerds. A school filled with young geniuses zipping around on prototype hoverboards, experimenting with anti-gravity and teleportation and artificial life forms. And then it gets pretty crazy. (laughs) 
There would be Victor would be a damaged young Latvian scientist who slowly seduces Reed into bending the rules. There's a battle in the negative zone. We meet a nihilist who he envisioned as a pissed off cybernetic T-Rex. Uh, in addition to a nihilist, the negative zone, they had Dr. Doom declaring war against the civilized world. The Mole Man unleashing a 60 foot genetically engineered monster. This is all the same movie in downtown Manhattan, a commando raid on the Baxter Foundation, a saving private Ryan style finale pitting our heroes against an army of doombots in war toward Latveria and a post-credit teaser featuring Galactus and Silver Surfer destroying an entire planet. Oh, Holy shit. crap, that is a stuffed movie. Listen, this happens after I have about seven gin and tonic. <laughs> <laughs> this all happened, the doombots and everything. <laughs> you actually saw all this. I feel like you've seen this version of the movie in your head. Here's my confession. I watched the the 2015 Fantastic Four today. Oh, her oh you did. Wow, did you? that's dedication. You, so you you did a double. You watched Fantastic Four and Apo- Age of Apocalypse in the same day. Are you some kind of sadomasochist there, Kate? What are you yeah, doing? I, well, I, I, ba- I started Daredevil on Netflix. To oh, ba- that's the best thing ever. Oh, there yes. you go. Yeah, I had to, I had to kind of cleanse my, my geek palate. But um, I, I don't know if all of his his choices with the script would have helped it because I didn't have a problem with that. I had a problem with the fact that it took 85% of the movie to actually do anything. <laughs> They're in like, there's one set. There's two sets. Uh, that movie is a nightmare. You should uh, listen to our, we did We do this great series with our buddy, Matt Dalhauer called what the fuck happened. <laughs> Basically he recaps and deconstructs uh, shitty superhero movies. And I'll tell you, that episode of What the Fuck Happened to Fantastic Four is a hundred times more entertaining than the actual movie itself. I'd like to play it while the movie is playing. That would be great. That would be good. I feel so bad for Slater because he one line of dialogue he had left in, in the script that they left, and it was, don't blow up. So three words. Can I comment on Slater's script? Yes. What did you think of what he was I trying mean, to do? The, the, the problem was, this is his quote, the problem was it would have been massively, massively expensive. <laughs> yeah, it sounds and pricey. He's absolutely right. I mean, you read that script and you're like, bro, there's no way you can make this movie. <laughs> you're, you're, I mean, I, I appreciate ambition and all, but let's be realistic. There's no way you're going to have, you're going to go to space and see Annihilus and then you're going to see Doctor Doom and then you're going to have a Saving Private Ryan moment and then you're going to have Galactus. Like, you're not going to do that. that the, the script is literally impossible on any budget. Yeah, I don't know. I think I still I would love to see Fantastic Four done serialized on like a streaming platform. I, I'm honestly very curious, and I don't know if you guys know the answer. If script writers actually know what kind of budget they're going to be working with when they write the script, oh, that's a good question. Yeah. I, I would say probably not, but who knows? Not from because, the sound of this, because yeah, he just he just he went balls to know. the wall. Um, we're going to do everything uh, right out the gate with Fantastic Four. I kept looking at the the duration of the movie thinking when are they going to finally do something with their powers, something cool. And it got to be like 15 minutes before the movie was done that they actually confronted Dr. Doom and, and we're, we're together as a group. And I'm like, this was supposed to be the, the whole part of the film. They, they focused more on, you know, like you said, they're supposed to have like this Hogwarts feel of the Baxter university or whatever. That would have been fun. It just it took forever to get there. I really liked what they set up. Mm-hmm. The movie's like aim went completely off course. Yeah, Hell you yeah. can you can literally 
see the moment the executives and producers stepped in and went like, what the fuck are you doing, Josh Trank? Make with the powers already. Like, they skipped the best part. The part you wanted to see, the part everybody wanted to see, is them getting to use their powers. And when we're, they're about to do that, it goes one year later, and they just jump over all of it. I just want to ask, Kate, did you notice uh, Sue Storm's ever-changing hair? Uh, yes, it got longer. <laughs> yeah, it got, well, not only did it get longer, but she started wearing a wig. It got wig. really it got dirty blonde. It got real fucking blonde. all over the place. Well, I, I was just, I, I kept thinking, you have a great cast here. I like all these people yeah. quite a Two people from House of Cards. I love that show. Mm-hmm. And I kept waiting for um, the guy that plays Freddy. I can't think of his name. That's it's okay. like, it's Reg something, I think. We're all in front of a computer. I'm looking One it day up. we'll figure that guy, out. That guy is in everything, though, yeah. And I kind of like the the body dysmorphia kind of dark tone it started with. Like, but at the pace that movie was going in the first half, it would have been Reg like E. Kathy. I found it too. Yeah. yeah. Reg E. Kathy. Reginald Kathy. Reginald Kathy. My point. Yeah. I liked him. <laughs> yeah. Well, listen. This Fantastic Four. It just it. This property has a history of being crappy. And it's largely – it started from the very beginning because they the need to make movies every so often to retain the rights. And Fox Fox will be damned if they let the rights slip on this for some reason. I don't know why. They have yet to like make anything good. Uh, there's, a, the, there's a link I'll put in the show notes to an article about a great documentary that's coming out. <laughs> it's called Doomed, the untold story of Roger Corman's The Fantastic Four. So in 1994 – Roger Corman, producer, was tapped to make a version of Fantastic Four specifically to just hold on the rights. And he even went so far as he – the cast thought they were making a legit movie. He never intended to release this movie. He was literally wasting everyone's time and money. And the trailer for this docu- – I love documentaries like this, first of all, like the real true story behind movies uh, like the Superman the lives, what happened to the death of Superman. That's a great doc. This seems amazing. I took a look at the trailer for it. And one of the things I noted just about the trailer was they totally rip off the Pirates of the Caribbean soundtrack in the trailer. Oh, really? Oh, oh, completely. Uh, Like at one at one point, I'm like, did I click on the wrong link? Is this something for Pirates uh, uh, or whatever sequel they're on? And it, no, they they totally like took MIDI files and made their own version of the Pirates soundtrack for this trailer. I mean, it's about as low budget as the Corman movie. It fits the tone of the Corman movie. He made it for a million dollars. It's campy and cheesy. Uh, I've never seen this. There's bootleg copies of this out over the years, and it's been kind of infamous. Uh, but here's the best part. The final cut. It, actually, it's one of the freshest Fantastic Four movies on Rotten Tomato. No it, has a, it has a 29% freshness rating on Rotten Tomato that makes it the freshest of the Fantastic Four adaptions. 2005 version getting 27%. And the 2015 version, a whopping 9%. Ouch. Uh, Rise of the Silver Surf- Surfer was at 37%. So that's even more funny. But check out this documentary. Seems like there's been nothing fantastic about these films. Not at all. Why don't they just... Give it back to Marvel. Marvel will know what to do with this crazy, tricky property. 
Oh. Yeah, they'll, they'll recast everyone in different colors. <laughs> Everyone's going to be different genders and races. <laughs> and, and then, like, and hey, then everyone will start screaming, oh, my God. <laughs> How could you do this? How could you do this to a fictional character? <laughs> nope, it's just going to be Melissa McCarthy and every. <laughs> <laughs> and all female. <laughs> there you go. Oh, I think we're up to six now or seven. You're going to hit that quota. I'm, uh, I'm, I think I have seven. I think I've been keeping track. <laughs> all right, gang. Let's talk about some streaming media news. I found some really interesting things. Kate, have you seen... Well, you said you started Daredevil on Netflix. I also started Stranger Things this week. Have you? So you've been watching the Stranger Things. First of all, I think the, the, the Daredevil stuff on Netflix is the best stuff they do. I, I, I've, I have a friend who like binge watches everything. And she, she always gives me her, her newest show that she's on. And Daredevil was high up there, but now she's like... I don't know how many episodes into Stranger Things, but she can't speak highly enough about it. I, I really got to start that. I, you I started. Start the, I started the first two minutes of it, so I saw the elevator scene where the scientist gets jacked up, and then I yeah. had to stop because I was going to fall asleep, and I really wanted to give my attention. Oh, a lot more stuff happens. Oh, I know. I know. <laughs> I've watched a minute. <laughs> <laughs> There's twenty. So look, it's, it's only eight episodes. You could really. It's great. It's a great number of episodes because you could binge this in a weekend. And this thing is is a monster. They're, you know, Netflix doesn't really disclose their ratings. You don't. They don't tell you how many viewers they have. They're just concerned with subscriptions. But there's a startup company that has claimed to crack the code to Netflix, and they've come out saying Stranger Things is Netflix's biggest hit to wow. date, bigger than all the Marvel stuff. Uh, in a report, they told Business Insider that 8.2 million people watched Stranger Things in its first 16 days of release. That number is way higher than Marvel's Daredevil, Jessica Jones, as well as other Netflix staples like House of Cards and Narcos. The only things that were bigger than Stranger Things is Orange is the New Black and Fuller House. Everyone. Oh, you're Jesus. Get the Fuller House. I kind of like the Fuller House. It's, a, it's horrible cheese fun. But I, have, I couldn't watch it. I couldn't do it. Did you like the – if you like the original Full House – yeah. It's kind of the it's so it's just I watched it just for Stephanie Tanner. Let me just full disclosure. Uh but Netflix has disputed these numbers in the past. It's like, the company's called Symphony AM. But man, there's no denying the water cooler buzz of Stranger Things. It's like all of a sudden everybody's talking about this goddamn movie. I mean, TV show. I I watched the first episode and I have to say Given the choice between that and Daredevil's first episode, I'm going to stick with Daredevil. Ooh. Oh, really? Yeah, I was way more into Daredevil than I was Stranger Things. Maybe because it, Stranger Things it took a while to get everything set up. Yeah. At the end, you're like, what happened to Eleven? What, what, I have to know more about this girl. This girl's awesome. Right. Um, but, oh, man, the Daredevil opening when he's in that confessional, I, I was hooked right from that moment. Kate, right would, you, would you recommend me pick up and watch Stranger Things? Uh, uh, compared to what? <laughs> compared to not watching it. <laughs> well, I'm only one episode in. I, oh, I, I thought you had said you uh, you did the whole three. thing. Like I, I make. I'll fully confess. I tried to watch Walking Dead and I couldn't. I couldn't stick oh. with. It. Oh okay. wow! All right. I mean, Dare, Daredevil uh, is definitely hooks you in. And I was just for me that was the first time. You know, it was Marvel's first series and. The tone they took, we'd never seen anything before. The fight choreography, how dark it is, just it hit uh, everything perfectly. Yep, I agree. 
So, but Stranger Things, dude, is like Goonies meets uh, uh, Close Encounters of the Third Kind meets E.T. meets Stand By Me. Just reminds me of being a kid in the 80s and wanting to like jump on my bike and have an adventure with my friends. That is my only hesitancy in watching it is I am not a kid in the 80s. Yeah. I don't know know if it's going to mean as much to me, but I will watch it, Imran. I promise you, and we'll talk about it on the show. I want to do a whole show about it. So, not only has Marvel kind of conquered Netflix, they're moving on. To other streaming platforms. Uh, news has come out. Marvel is bringing their series called Runaways to Hulu. And Hulu also is not free anymore. They've just, they've, it's uh, completely paid. They're going to they're go up. I guess like, they're going to go up against Netflix. It is, you have to subscribe, pay service. Used to be free, of course. Here's the beauty about Runaways. I wish Ruggs was here because I bet he, he read this. It was, uh, it's a series from 2003 created by Brian K. Vaughn, Adrian Alfona. Uh, and it's it's a pretty good series. What it's about is a group of kids who are at kind of a f- uh, family gathering. Only they're not a family. They're there, and they find out that their parents are part of like an evil supervillain cabal planning to take over the world. <laughs> and they all have powers. And the six teenagers with different interests, hobbies, they kind of take off. And, and they're always being uh, chased by their parents, and they're trying to expose their parents' wrongs and, and, and make right by them. Story of my life. Right? And <laughs> here's why. And it was critically acclaimed. It wasn't a big hit. It was very good. But here's why I think this is great for a TV show. These people, they don't have cheesy superhero names. They don't really have any costumes. They're just kids with powers. They have crazy powers. Here's some of their powers. Uh, one girl, Gertrude Stein, she has a mental bond to a genetically modified velociraptor. What? <laughs> yeah, how cool is that? So there's a velociraptor. Uh, there's, a, there's a sorceress who can only use spells one at a, t- a single time. She can, <laughs> she can only use her spell once. <laughs> what? Very limiting. Yes, not the, best, not the best thing. The team's youngest member, Molly Hayes, was their only real powerhouse, strong enough to battle giant monsters, but limited by her body's ability to handle the strain. So, and all these abilities complement these characters' personalities. So, I'm I'm excited. I think, and also, I'm interested to see what tone Marvel will take on Hulu. You know, they clearly set that this is, on Netflix, we're going to be dark. We're going to be gritty. We're going to do stuff you haven't seen in the movies. This, I... I I have some reservations. Okay. I feel like they could use Hulu. I want to hear your reservations. To be a little more lighthearted and wacky. What are your reservations, Kate? Do you know who's going to write and produce the show? Uh, I don't. That's a good question. Do the we same people that made Gossip Girl? Yeah, Andy OC. That's a good point. So Ooh. it could it could be a little bit uh, uh, soap opera. I mean, uh, a lot of bit. I, what my concern? I, that's a good point, Kate. Yeah. My my other concern is when you have powers like this. You know, these kind of. I mean, you're gonna presumably have a Velociraptor on the show. <laughs> Maybe. Um. um <laughs> I just don't know if the budget for a, t- a TV show on Hulu can properly handle this without making it look like just complete camp. Hulu might be, though, like, hey, Marvel wants to do a show for us. Uh, here's a bunch of money. I hope so. That's true. I mean, they- I don't have Hulu, so maybe I'll have to buy it. Just That's like I the thing. I don't, ha- I don't have Hulu either. And if this thing is good enough to ma- – because uh, you got on the Netflix because of the Daredevil, right, Anthony? If this thing's good enough to get people to sign up for Hulu, I am exactly what Netflix was looking for when they made Daredevil. They got a new customer, and they kept solely you. because of that, and they kept me. 
I like that. It's kind of like a family aspect. You know, I think I've, hopefully they do like a Fantastic Four X-Men soap opera-y thing with a bunch of uh, bunch of different characters and powers. Uh, and maybe this could be a better X. What if they X-Men? recast all these characters in different races? Will you Nobody knows that? who the fuck these people are. <laughs> you oh, could- it doesn't matter when you don't know who these people are. <laughs> Isn't that funny? Isn't that funny how that uh, works out? <laughs> there's li- there's limits to this. Yes. It's where's the line, man? Wait, it's all over the, the place. I'm you can't win. Me. It's but you're right in a way. It's so crazy. <laughs> they're bad guys, babies. Yeah, they're vil- they're kids of the villain. Like, it's an interesting concept, bad guys, babies. Yeah, that's the- kind of what Disney did with Descendants, I think. Okay. You ever heard of that? No, was I that have, a yeah. show or a movie? Well, I don't know because I've only, <laughs> only experienced with it. I, I was at Disney World like last year and they were pushing this Descendants thing big time. They were playing it in the gift stores. They had the books out and there's apparently a Disney Channel series about the oh, children geez. of the villains, the children of Maleficent, of Jafar. Of- oh, yes. Now I remember this. That's and the, cool. Yeah, that's kind of, I thought it was an interesting idea too when I heard about that. I think like Kristen Chenoweth might have been on it. I think she was one of the villains. I, I honestly don't know. That's all I've seen from it. But it sounds a lot like the setup for The Runaways. Yeah, yeah. It was the kids. Oh, that's a good call. Uh, and then finally, in uh, another streaming platform, Amazon. We've talked about in a uh, long time ago. They're bringing the tick back. Uh, which is just a ridiculous, absurd blue guy in a big blue suit. Kate, are you familiar with the take at all in any form? I am. I am. I. It was an animated series, right? Yes. Yes. It was animated, live action, and comic book. I absolutely watched that. And then, um, thanks to your link, I went and watched the the few clips. Yeah, so this is the first time Patrick Warburton played him live action. And if you know Patrick Warburton, Purdy from Putty from Seinfeld, and and He's Family Guy. And Family Guy, he's perfect. He's perfect for the tick, but that was 15 years ago. Uh, times have changed. This character has been around for 30 years. And I remember reading the tick comics really early on because Ben Edlund, who, who went on to actually write on Firefly Serenity, he's worked on Gotham in the, uh, just recently. He like created this character for the newsletter for his local comic book store. It was called New England Comics, and this was like late 80s, early 90s, a lot of mail order. Like, I would order comics from them, and I got turned on to the tick, and it was great, and I've always loved it. Now, they got Peter Serafinowicz as the tick, who has been in, uh, what has he been in? He's been in Guardians of the Galaxy. He was in Shaun of the Dead. I didn't know how he was going to do. What did, Kate, what did you think of these clips? Um, well, I number one, you were just saying what he was. He was also the voice of Darth Maul. Oh, he was the voice of Darth Maul. Wow. Isn't that pretty cool? Yeah. I didn't know because Ray Park was in the thing. And then, man, they always voice over the dark Siths. That's what it said. So maybe the Internet's wrong. Who knows? Never wrong. Internet can't be wrong. wrong. Um, The clips. I kind of went, ah, for the first one. Yeah. It has him like walking down this alley towards these guys with guns. And he's laughing at the fact that they're using guns because the gun, the bullets can't injure him. And. He's he's almost like a Shakespearean actor. He's got that kind of presence to him. And then the second clip is with him and his sidekick. And that that one I enjoyed more, the interplay between those two actors. Um, I, I don't know what to make of it. I really yeah. I'm stumped. Yeah, it is kind of awkward. Here's the challenge Edlin has because, you know, the society has changed. The world has changed. When 
when he came when this came out in the eighties, he was spoofing kind of the dark superheroes. It was supposed to be a parody of the super serious superhero, and so that's why he's like very self aware and over the top. And then when the live action movie came out, it was kind of in the nineties in the time of you know your Schumacher Batman's and bright colors and just crazy silliness. And now you shall not speak Schumacher's name. You can't say Schumacher <laughs> right now. Uh, the mass uh, audience is really into su- superheroes and continuities and storylines. And uh, Edlund has found he's got to kind of uh, up his game and uh, put some more blood and make it a little more violence but not lose the absurdity. Because really, this is what it is. It's just an absurd take on modern-day superheroes. Uh, but now I'm going to have to get Amazon to watch this goddamn thing. It's just too much, people. I don't have Amazon. Uh, Anthony, what did you think of these clips? You know, I'd be honest with you. I, I was going to lie and say what Kate just said. Yeah. I didn't fucking watch them. <laughs> <laughs> I literally looked at the show notes, and for whatever reason, even though it says watch clips in caps, yeah. I didn't initially uh, – I didn't see that for some reason. Right, well, I don't know why. Thanks for the effort. Oh, <laughs> Moving <you> on. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I am a big Tick fan. I hope uh, – I, I like his delivery in this. It is. It's weird. It's very weird, uh, which makes me kind of watch it. Want to watch it even more. I love fucking weird off the Dude, wall you shit. You like the weird. I love weird. all that weird shit. Okay, last thing we got here is a bit of video game news. Kate, you. Uh, I feel like you were researching this before I even put it in the show notes. This I new. Think, I, I know we're on the same wavelength. All right. Why? Well, I'm going to have you. Uh, have you introduced a story about a uh, Batman VR? video game what is this well we we just got footage of this new batman virtual reality game and they debuted the trailer and the the title of the trailer is where the cowl so you're going to play as batman with this headset and i already know that i'm screwed because (laughs) the primary thing that you i saw in the trailer was the batarang and i am shit with that in in (laughs) arkham asylum so i'm screwed So this is going to be available for the PlayStation 4 and the PlayStation VR for $19.99. But my question is, how much is the, the system going to cost? Wait, that $19.99 for the get? What about the headset? So, that's what I mean. That's yeah. What I mean. Yeah. I, yeah, that can't be. T- if it's $20, that's crazy. And I also, I want to know, does it have the ears on there like they show? The trailer is kind of like audience reaction of them playing it. And it looks sick, except for the fact that you just, you just stand in one place, I guess. You can't really walk around. You get around the town. That's up to you. Hey, you'd, fuck, you'd walk in this stuff. You, they're using the light controllers. And uh, I like the one part where the guy's like, you put the thing on, and the first thing you do is you look in the mirror, and you see yourself as Batman. And then you're just into it. Like, this, this is kind of exciting. Uh, I would love to test this out. Do you get to pick your Batman? Oh, that would be great. I would be Michael uh, Keaton Batman all day. Michael Keaton. I would go uh, George Clooney Batman with the nips. Oh, it's just so you can look down and like, yeah, I have nipples. Like, look at my nips, man. Look, I'm, I'm Batman with nips. I'd be Adam West. That's a good Ooh, one, too. That's a good one, too. With a, with a uh, lot, like, big kind of pudgy torso. And well, that, well, that and, and, and the expression drawn on your mask. <laughs> yeah. The, the eyebrows. eyebrows the yeah. eyebrows are white lines. Oh, I always love that. <laughs> I love that. I'm, I'm, I, I'm, I'm kind of excited for it. I, I mean, it's, everyone it's keeps saying this I is just, the future the, and stuff. The thing about virtual reality is, like, when you're walking, like, what do you do? Do you, you walk can't, in place? You can't walk around. They you need, can't really walk around. You need space. That's the thing. You need physical space to do a virtual reality game. Unless they figured it out somehow. 
You need like a moving like platform that just moves in all direction underneath you. Well, they had that on Shark Tank. Do you remember that episode? Oh yeah, and that guy had like uh, there was padding around, and you'd like walk into it. No, he built like a well, he built like a giant sphere, which was like oh, ridic- it was like twenty five grand, and you, it was <laughs> ridiculous. Buying that, dude. There's no one's buying that. Yeah. <laughs> you are not. You, getting... you literally, are, you're literally like a, a hamster in a in a in a, a rat wheel, basically. Kate, you a big gamer? I am actually. Um, that's a, been a big pastime of mine over these many many years of my oh. life. What, uh, uh, what are you bruiser. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, shit. So funny. <laughs> well, what, are you, what are you playing? What, are you, what have you been playing like lately? Well, not to feed into Anthony's. Well, I'm a nerd, but... <laughs> don't, don't listen to him. <laughs> we've, been, we've been just finishing up Lego Jurassic World. Those oh, Lego nice. games are fun, dude. Those Those are fun. Yeah. You know why this one was awesome? Because they used the original dialogue. That's what I heard. Like all the, uh, uh, I heard you guys on your show actually talking about how you you it just repeat awesome. the lines. We do because <laughs> you can suck it, Anthony. This is awesome. <laughs> <laughs> they, you open this oh, game. Oh shit! Yeah, I know, right? You open this game up and you hear Richard Attenborough's voice. Rest in peace. Wow. And you get these goosebumps. Like, oh my god, he says, "Welcome to Jurassic Park," and you are in fucking tears. I mean, come on. That's awesome. So, the rest of the game, some some actors they they could not get their permission, so they've they've subbed in other lesser paid actors. But for the most part, you get Sam Neill, you get Laura Dern, you get um, Jeff Goldblum, you get mostly everybody else. What what if they recasted the Tyrannosaurus Rex as an Allosaurus? Would that be bad? No, no, blasphemy! That's the wrong kind of dinosaur. What do you? Why? Who gave you the right? <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm going to be making these fucking this, shots yeah, those, all the time. You know what? Listen, though? This, hang on, hang on. You can in the game, you can modify your T-Rex to look like like a hybrid. So, oh man, kind of change the race a little bit. That's yeah. it. I'm out. No, I love the Lego games. It's just satisfying to see all the pieces fly out whenever you attack stuff, and then you just see the pieces fly. Like I don't know why that's satisfying. It's great. You've got a lot of rage issues, I think. Uh, probably. I'd take it out in little plastic pieces. That's I knew he couldn't be this happy. <laughs> I gotta do something. Uh, Nerf balls and Lego. You like? Do you like to play the video games? Uh, I used to up until like 2007, and then it just was like uh, I did other stuff. And it, they, I don't have a new console. It's expensive. These games take a lot of time. And they're. Uh, they're like sixty bucks now, and the games are very expensive. Yes, we have a we have a system in our household to get new games, and we wait till Black Friday. Oh, uh, smart! Never pay full price. You, you could have White Friday if you want. <laughs> 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 These jokes write themselves. People will make whitewash jokes all night long. Fine. Um, <laughs> we, we wait until they're like fifteen dollars, then we get like ten of them, and we stock up for the entire year. So that's why we're only on Jurassic World right now because we've just taken our time. The last thing I had that I enjoyed was it was the Wii, and I just I've always loved Mario because I just I like that kind of casual. You could jump in, jump out, and the fucking Mario three similar games. body build. Yeah, where yes, I it's a lot like me. Uh, it's me, Mario. I try to white guy with a mustache. I try to jump on things, and it doesn't work out well, though. Uh, Here's the I, real nerd test, and this is this is something that Patrick's going to roll his eyes at me. <laughs> if you like Mario, yeah, have you seen? the Super Mario Brothers movie. Oh, hell yeah. Hell yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah, it's horrible. That, it's, that uh... movie is amazing. <laughs> <laughs> John Leguizamo is fucking uh, Luigi without a mustache. It's great. 
I just I love how they have to explain how they jump so high. There's boots. We got boots. Like, uh, yeah. What are you doing? Oh, uh, that film. You got me thinking about it because I was listening to an episode of yours before, and you mentioned Mortal Kombat. And yes. In oh, the best movie ever. Suicide Squad. And I thought that's brilliant. That is exactly what that <laughs> scene was like in Mortal Kombat, and, and then I knew I had met my people. Yes, versus the oh yeah, I mean uh, uh, Mario Brothers movies right up there with Mortal Kombat Annihilation. Oh but, man. You know? That's a good pull, Anthony. Mortal Kombat Annihilation is is amazingly bad. <laughs> it was the late '90s. What do you want? Uh, well, gang, look, that's all I got for the news right now. Let's meet Kate and geek out some more. After these messages, we'll be right back. Hey, Imran. Hey, Rock Boy. Wouldn't it be great since we're putting out all this great shows and great content? That our listeners could support us in some kind of way, maybe with a website or something? You know what? I got an idea. Hang tight. I'll be right back. Gaga nerd. All right, listener. We have a virtual tip jar. Wowie zowie. It's called Patreon. Visit jockanerd.com slash Patreon and you can support the show and help us help you. How you do that? You can make monthly donations, whether it be a dollar, 50 cents, five bucks, or you can donate in one large sum and you get bonus content and it only helps improve the show by getting us on better platforms and better equipment i hear change jingling in your pocket (laughs) don't fucking fuck me over guys do it what up homies my name is john medina and this is a promo for the just john podcast a weekly show where i talk about whatever the hell i want which tends to be tech, movies, music, games, comics, and way too much about Star Wars. Basically, it's a conversation I would have with my friends in the living room, only I'm having a conversation with you, my friends, on the internet. You can find the show on SoundCloud, iTunes, YouTube, and Stitcher by searching The Just John Podcast. And you can follow me on Twitter at M underscore Revo. So come check out the show, and until next time, peace out, fam. Fantastic Arse is your guide to the Fantastic Four from the beginning of the Marvel Age of Comics in 1961 onwards. Each week, Steve Lacey and Andy Leyland cover every issue, spin-off, guest appearance and cameo, and more. And in 2015, we begin our journey through the decade that taste forgot, the 1970s. Join us as we take a look at... The departure of Jack Kirby and Stan Lee. The Kree Scroll War. The arrival of Marvel Team Up. Bill Murray as the Human Torch. Creators including Roy Thomas, George Perez, Marv Wolfman, Jerry Conway, Rich Buckler, and John Byrne. And of course, Marvel 2 in 1. All this and more at ffcast.libsyn.com and on iTunes and Stitcher. The Fantastic Cast. Insert catchy tagline here. Wait, what? The Jock and Nerd Podcast. Kate, I want to know where your geeky passion started. When did it start? Um, well, I, I'm an only child, and I, I can only think of the fact that I grew up next door to two boys. Okay. I've always been a tomboy as, for as long as I can remember, and having the two two male neighbors next to me were, was a big influence because they always had the current gaming system. They always had the films that you really weren't supposed to watch as a, as a young girl and we'd watch them and, 
and we'd kind of compete back and forth. Okay, they have the Super Nintendo. Okay, I'm going to get the N64. Okay, they have the next one. And um, I just always really enjoyed action films, even when I was was little. And I always kind of felt like maybe I shouldn't like this. I'm I'm <laughs> supposed to like these kind of films, but I did, and I liked Nerf. No, Weapon. you're not supposed to like it. You're a girl. <laughs> right. right. Um, but I liked Super Soakers, and I liked Nerf weapons and and action figures, and 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 then you know you have that period of your life where you're told, no, this is stupid, this is a this is geeky, you're not supposed to like it. And then I don't know, it took me like becoming an actual adult to say, no, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna like what I like, and I'm gonna embrace it. And now you find that there's a whole world of people out there that have yep. the same the same origin story. If you absolutely, I mean, nowadays uh, it's geek chic, you know. Come out of the closet. It's cool. Oh, I, to be have, a geek. I have friends that um, one in particular who who really isn't into the geek culture. Like I, I am her reference point for things, and she really wants to go to Comic Con. Like that's cool now. Uh, see that? I mean, and that you know, casual people are now they 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 want to go there. That blows my mind because it used to be like a dingy basement with a bunch of fat balding middle aged guys going through boxes of back issues and. From that to what it's become, I kind of wish you would go back to that. Like I just, it's well, too let, much. let me tell you, Imran, as someone yeah. that has been to Comic Con, yes, how, I can only imagine how it smells in that fat, <laughs> that, that dingy black uh, blacked out basement. That's it still point. smells like that in at San Diego Comic Con. Oh, it's still, still it's, there's, there's for whatever reason the personal hygiene aspect of nerds hasn't improved all that much in fifteen twenty years. Well, it's nice to know some things stay the same. Yeah. Let me tell you. The uh, classics. It's classic, man. <laughs> and Wizard World is actually on right now in Chicago. Is um, that this weekend? Yeah, it's, it's right now. It started yesterday. I saw that, this. That place it, smells awful. <laughs> Wizard World Chicago. I saw, I, I saw the story where there was going to be an arms dealer who was a vendor. And uh, they, they last minute, they're like, ah, yeah, you can't do this. You can't be an arms dealer at a comic book convention in Chicago. Not the best idea. Not the worst. No. <laughs> Kate, have you uh, have you been to conventions any? I haven't. No, but now it's kind of come our goal to go to San Diego for the. I, I honestly, I think it's worth it just to go one time. the The main appeal to me, I mean, everything's over the top, like the the Marvel booth and the DC booth. And if you're into like meeting celebrities, that you can do that all day. But I think the biggest appeal to me was going to the movie panels, the like the Hall H is what it's called. And oh, yeah. you got to see film footage from movies that were a year out that was exclusive to just you. And just being there live, the energy in that room, I thought was fantastic. When I went, we got to see amazing Spider-Man footage for the first time. And I don't know if you guys have uh, ever seen the clip, but there's they have like mics up where fans can ask questions. And they had the amazing Spider-Man uh, cast up there. And then a guy comes up in a Spider-Man outfit and he's asking a question and then it ends up being Andrew Garfield underneath the mask. Oh, and that's awesome. he, yeah, and he gives this heartfelt speech about how like Spider-Man's meant everything to him. He's taken the baton from Tobey Maguire. He's going to do his best. Oh. Very heartfelt. Too bad the films weren't that great. But it was a cool moment, you know, and I think some of those moments like that uh, happen at Comic-Con are, are worth going to. It's gotten to the point, though, now it's just so big where I've heard stories of dudes waiting seven hours to get into the Hall H presentation yeah. and they don't get in <gasps> and they've wasted their whole day sitting waiting in the, and like I'm like oh shit dude it's too big it's too big it's huge I do have to go though it is kind of like nerd pilgrimage mecca yeah. once in your lifetime you gotta get there 
so with your your website, how did that start? How did you? Uh, when did you decide? Look, I want. I love pop culture. Well, I've always liked writing, and I yeah. I don't get a chance to do it as much as I would like, just because I I teach music, and and, and I don't really. It's not really my thing, and I. I Mostly, actually, what I do in my free time is I perform. I, I, I'm a singer, and I, I do a lot of musical theater. Um, so this whole writing thing, I, I just kind of have come back to it over the years and then decided this March that I really kind of wanted to make a go of it um, and try to cover as many articles about music and theater and, and, and movies and, and TV and what have you and tech and video games, whatever. But like I said, the... It started as that, and then it kind of morphed more towards the podcast element, especially that I can do it with my fiance, and it's such a nice hobby for us because we are both big geeks. We love we love talking about Star Wars and Harry Potter and Lord of the Rings and all that stuff, and um, we love talking to other people about it too because it is such a unifying thing, and you find people from all different kind of walks of life that maybe they don't have the same films that you grew up with, but they have those similar passions for films and it's just it's talking about a lot of a lot of things we love and that's just fun i mean you're, you're right now it is a perfect example i mean kate yeah. where are you located again i'm i'm out of erie pennsylvania erie pennsylvania and you're talking to uh albino pakistani <laughs> <laughs> and, and an asshole asian polish guy oh well, there you go yeah and and we're all and we're all geeking out about the same stuff uh i l- look Writing is for the birds, first of all. How much more fun is it to just record? And that way, you know, your listeners, your people who visit your site, they're getting your personality, which uh, that's why they come back. You know, they want to hang out with you. When you write, yeah, it's nice, but you got to sit and read that shit. And uh, audio is just so easy. You got to proofread that shit. You got to proof it and edit it. And you're like, ah, fuck. But audio is just so easy to consume while you're doing other things. Well, and and podcasting is such a, a, a current passion current trend for so many people and instead of listening to audiobooks you're listening to podcasts and instead of playing the radio you're listening to podcasts and you can take it everywhere with you and you can download your favorite shows and episodes and i mean i'm a runner and instead of listening to music the past summer i've listened to podcasts yeah it's awesome it's you know there's an interesting stat imran brought it up to me i don't know if i have it exactly correct but imran maybe you might be able to correct me blogs and all that stuff it's great you know i used to do a blog too and it's great to write whatever but you're so much you're so lost in the shuffle when you blog whereas if you podcast it's not as prevalent as blogging i think the stat was like there's 220 blogs to every one podcast i I think the number is actually uh, 2,000 blogs there you go for every podcast show so you're swimming in a much smaller pool and, uh, it, you know, even though, like you said, it's a trend, it's the new trend. It's been around for like 11, 12 years, still trying to take off really. And, you know, stuff like cereal has helped more people are talking about it. Uh, but the, the, there's always room for another show, you know, everyone. And my, my stick is everyone that comes on the show. I'm like, you need a podcast. You should have a podcast. Everyone should have a podcast. The Oprah it, podcasts. Yes, yes, I'm handy. Look under your chair. You have a podcast, and you have a podcast, all ready to go. Uh, but I'll it's- say this though: if they recast Oprah as a white person, oh, I would no. be upset. I, I think really I, I want to see a white male Oprah. I think that's ballsy. <laughs> it's a good risk. We've never seen that. 
We've never seen that. Isn't that Ellen DeGeneres? <laughs> oh, I think you're... Oh, here we go. Oh, shit. With the horns, you nailed that one, Kate. That was perfect. God damn, that's a good wow. one. I was like, I like Ellen. Should I go there? I really like Ellen DeGeneres, but I'm going to go there. It's no, That's a loving jab and a fucking great line. I can't even uh, top that. I w- awesome. <laughs> or is it suddenly Kate McKinnon in disguise? We're not really... <laughs> I love Kate McKinnon on <laughs> SNL. The other thing I wanted to ask you is on you were on your Suicide Squad review. I think you mentioned how like this summer of movies has been kind of shitty, but it's been an interesting year for strong women in this genre oh, so far. Absolutely, I, I actually had to go back and and take a look at all the films we've seen since. I guess you can consider May as summer film. Yeah, yeah. Who yeah, are some yeah. of the standouts for you? Oh, okay. Well, my my girl crush at the moment. I have two. I have two girl crushes. Margot Robbie. Number one. Okay, yeah. Okay. Yeah, saw her in Tarzan and Suicide Squad. And then there was another one out, and I, I think it was called Blink with Will Smith. Yeah. Or Focus. Focus, one of those. <laughs> I forgot Same. Blink, Focus, whatever. Blink, Shutter. Focus, Retina, whatever. I, I forgot she was in Tarzan. Oh, yeah, and that's what caught my attention and got me, wanted, I wanted to see Suicide Squad more because of her performance in Tarzan. Tarzan was an okay film. It, it was, it was um, oh, the guy from True Blood. His name is escaping me. Oh, the, uh, the, uh, let's look it up. I can't think of it. Oh, Skarsgård. Alexander Skarsgård. He was Tarzan. He was like a body there. He was, he was Tarzan. Great. And then they had, um, Samuel L. Jackson, who was Samuel L. Jackson being Samuel L. Jackson. That's what you want. Always is. Christoph Waltz. Who was Christoph Waltz being Christoph Waltz. Okay. That's kind of what you want to. (laughs) Right. And it was an okay film. It wasn't horrible. It wasn't great. But she was a standout. And I kept thinking, she's going to be awesome in Suicide Squad. So she's she's high up on my list right now. Uh, Right on. Along with her, Gal Gadot, Wonder Woman. Huge crush on her. I I mean, she's Wonder Woman now. Like, uh, after seeing that trailer, I was like, God damn, she's Wonder Woman. This is it. They, like, what a perfect casting. Uh, You know, if you were doubting it, there's no doubting it now. Oh, yeah. Um, I I looked through other things, too, and I'm just looking at my standouts. Uh, Going back to Civil War, Elizabeth Olsen and and Scarlett Johansson. Yep. Always kicking ass. Really, really like Elizabeth Olsen. I really hope to see her in in a lot of other things. I saw her in uh, Godzilla, the Godzilla movie that they made. Yeah, they were, mm. uh, Quicksilver was in that one, too, and uh, they played husband and wife, and then right. they played brother and sister. It was kind of weird. Yeah. <laughs> and he's actually, he's the one that's married to the director that's like 20 years older than him. Yeah, that's a really strange one. Mm-hmm. Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh, Aaron he's, Taylor Johnson. He has, he's got the hyphen going on because he's a little bitch. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I, what do you feel about, I feel like Marvel is missing the ball in the sense that DC Warner DCEU is going to beat them to a lead superhero with a woman in the lead movie when they've had Black Widow this whole time but have been hesitant to give the fans what they want which is maybe a Black Widow kind of solo team up movie yeah I mean it's such a I think it's a very very fine line to tread when you deal with strong female leads in comic book movies because you know the majority of the the comics you read or the shows you watch you've got you've got male leads and mm. the women have been you know just not very present as a woman it, it didn't bother me growing up that batman was not a girl because batman was batman i right. never really thought of it that way cuz these were my heroes you know i never thought like I just don't have that when I read read things. A lot of people read the the recent Harry Potter book and were so mad that oh the 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 females were just 
cut down and, and shadows of their former selves. I didn't think that way. I, I just, mm. I, I don't, as a woman, I don't think that way. I just, I don't have that going to things. I, I enjoy them for what they are. And, you know, I, I don't care that they have Superman as a man for every film. I don't care. Let me bring up something that might make you think a little bit. Okay. Do you think that Nimrod 2, do you guys think that maybe you imagine these characters to look a certain way because we're so overwhelmed in our media with the ideal look of what a hero should be or what a movie star should look like, which is this Caucasian jacked person, you know, that's so handsome. So then we're kind of bombarded with this. So then when we imagine things, how they should look, oh, this is what it's supposed to look like because this is what it's always kind of looked like. I mean, I, I kind of you see your point. point. Yeah, because me being like, look, I'm Pakistani-American. I was born here, raised Pakistani. I jump to everyone as a white person in my head when I, when right. I think about things. You, Just, you think of your heroes. You've been conditioned. Like, yeah, you've almost been conditioned to be like, our heroes should be white males. That's what they should be. Or our, 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 even our heroines should be white females. Even though, actually, I don't even think we think of... When we think of heroes, automatically, I think people go white male. Yeah, right? you don't... Yeah, yeah. I mean, even like Jesus, for instance. Not to get super religious, but I don't think Jesus was a white dude. Uh, not from that part of the world. With <laughs> blonde hair and blue eyes with the, the way they have summers there. I mean, right. it's going to kink up his hair real fast. <laughs> what are your thoughts, Kate? Um, you know, I, I'm, I'm trying to think like of an example... I'm not very familiar with Black Panther at all, except okay. for Civil War. Yeah. And I walked out of that film thinking, that guy needs a film by himself. Yep. I would watch yep. him. He's getting one. And he is. Yeah, he's getting one. It's such, it's, such, it's such exciting news about the casting and about all the other stars that are in that film. And I, I, I don't look at it from a color perspective. I don't look at it from a gender perspective. I just want to see people kicking ass and making me feel... Like we have people that we can believe in, like we did when we were kids. You know, I don't really care what form they come in. I like that, and I mean it kind of ties into you know like the entitlement of art these days. How people think these movies should be made art, art in general should be tailor made for me. Give me what I want when that's like the opposite of what the point of art is is to just like challenge you and take you to different places that and you and then i feel the same way you gotta i'm usually i'm colorblind because you just want the characters to shine through so it's a combination of just i think it's ruining hollywood a little bit too because everything is going to be formulaic and and sanitized now moving forward until this, this bubble bursts touchy subject all around right <laughs> well, at least we're seeing like women in stronger roles yeah which, i mean at the end of the day you know you can be like oh you know it's it's they're not getting leads it is progress but also i could be like yeah, but they're not leads yet you know they're not they're not getting their their due as as a lead role they're still kind of the sidekicks in these movies. i mean we still have a long way to go with women in leads with minorities as a lead that can sell a movie as a vehicle uh, still a little bit to go before that stuff sorts can, itself can I out. Ask, let me ask you something, Kate. Okay. What are your thoughts on the fact that Suicide Squad, which you've seen, you liked Harley Quinn, right? Mm-hmm. Do you think you would have felt as strongly about Harley Quinn's character if they would have kept in the fact that Joker just fucking abuses the shit out of her all the time? 
Well, like I said, I was actually surprised they didn't include that. Mm. Right. Because I'm so used to that from even the animated series, which is yep. toned down. I mean, mm-hmm. it's it has to be. It's 4 p.m. time slot. Yeah, sure. Um, so I don't know. I mean, I just liked her performance. Yeah. And Jared Leto was, like you said, such an afterthought that I, I don't know. That's a great question. If, if, if their relationship was different, would I feel differently? I was just very taken with her. I agree. I thought she was, her performance just alone was, I thought, really fun. I thought she was just fun, like lots of I fun did to have around. Yeah. Uh, great. I mean, like she, the fact that she worked with Will Smith before, they had kind of a great chemistry going in, and you could see that on the screen. And uh, really, that's the best thing in the movie is just the, the chemistry of these people. Yeah. But you know, this is we and we talked in the in our review. This is a very fine line. If they want uh, Harley Quinn to be this empowered uh, female, they're going to have to change the nature of the relationship with Joker that everybody knows. That's going to cause more uh, fanboys to pop a zit here and there. So, <laughs> that's a great. <laughs> well, the, the thing about comic, especially comic book fans, is they're crit- so anal. About everything, like it's just like so ridiculous. Like, oh my god, his hair is a different color. You oh can't my win. god, the, the the Flash's costume doesn't have white on it <laughs> on the logo. Jesus Christ, what are you doing? Like Jesus, like <laughs> what? You can't like, wait. Why are we so anal about Look, this? Stuff? I'm it's the a fictional same, character. I know. I'm the same way. I'm like Spider Man. Spider is too small on his costume. Yeah, hey, I mean, it's, it's funny sometimes. I mean, I get the same way too. I'm not above this. Sometimes I'm like, what the fuck? Why does Batman have nipples. Just kidding. <laughs> but, like, but like, you know, like I get the same way too, but I just look like from afar, you'd be like, God damn, guys, you guys are so anal about this shit. Yeah. I mean, you take a step back and actually look at it. It's ridiculous. And we should be focusing on just the art and the story. And even that it's is a good performance. Yeah. And it's true to the character of, of what was written and, and honors then is, is, you know, a good interpretation. I, I, what's the problem? Yeah, I, I I look at movies sometimes more from a because I don't know the comic book. I look at it from the acting perspective, yes. and yeah. and I think I don't care who you cast. Just pick the person that's going to be the truest to the character and give them good direction. Because I mean, thinking back to Zendaya, she may not be the like in my mind who I would you know picture as my Mary Jane, but if if she's going to be the truest person to that that part and you're going to get a director that's going to just guide her along the way then mm-hmm. then go for it if you if you feel that strongly about her and a truly good director can get the performance they want from any actor if they're good which is the problem yeah. i have if they're good i'm glad you went through that caveat with Zack Snyder is he doesn't i feel like he doesn't he doesn't focus on the acting performance at all in a lot of his movies the characters feel flat you don't care for them he just he likes making things explode and filming fight scenes in slow motion. He doesn't really give a shit what the actor does. He's just like, okay, just do your thing. I, I just having seen X Men Apocalypse, I, th- I think about the one scene that really stood out in my mind, and that was a scene with Michael Fassbender um, in the woods. And I don't want to spoil anything, but no, you can hold on. Here you go. Spoiler alert. Spoiler away. Okay. Well, he he's just lost his wife and his daughter and yeah. he's on the on the floor of the forest just like in agony and i think that is what i want in a comic book i want a comic book movie i want that kind of performance from everybody i want them to to treat this as seriously as they would if it was an oscar nominated film and i want the directors and the the production staff too as well and i feel like sometimes 
they they go too much over the top or too little and and they they don't go about it like it should just be a regular film Oh, you're right, and that's like one of the be- like that's a great scene in the movie. Fassbender kills it. Like you really do care about his character. The problem is these things are becoming corporate products. Yeah. They're not giving the chance to breathe. You know, it's not like back when Nolan was making his Batman movies, the Warner Brothers gave him all the time, all the creative direction. They were hands off. You do things your way, and look at the result. You have a assured movie. Now they're like, here's the date. We're starting the shoot. You better have a script. Let's go. Like, they, they just don't care. They just want the money. And if it doesn't make money, uh, we'll write it off. We'll move on to the next one instead of thinking about it as art, which is, I think we're losing that in Hollywood. Yeah, I was thinking back to um, the f- very first X-Men and the very first scene of that movie is set in Auschwitz. Yeah. I remember yeah. seeing that awesome 14, 15-year-old going, this is a different kind of comic book film. It legitimizes the whole thing right off the bat. And the score was brilliant. I'm a big film score person, so like that opening sequence with the piano and the, the, the low cello and the yeah. just basically no talking, that yeah. was a different tone altogether. And you know, that movie <laughs> I have my critiques of that film too, but there were a lot of good things that happened. That score will live in infamy along with Suicide Squad score. <laughs> <laughs> And Singer had such a great vision in the beginning for X-Men. And then I feel like he just sold out on this last one. He's like, fuck it, just give me the you check. Know, I, I think I've said this before on the podcast, but that scene is fantastic, by the way, Kate, that you're talking about, the Auschwitz scene, yeah. where he's like magnetizing the, the fence. But I, I feel like that movie kind of hasn't aged very well. Like the, mm-hmm. I've watched that movie again, mm-hmm. and I don't actually think it's all that great as when I first saw it. Well, I mean, just look at Sabretooth, number one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and Toad. But I think we all came in, especially if you're a comic book fan, but even if you're not a comic book fan, you know who the X-Men are. Yeah. You came in, you're like, wow, man, the X-Men on film. Like, yes. And they don't look campy. Yes. They look cool. But then, like, I think it was, like, that expectation and that kind of jaded you into thinking this film was actually, like, a really good film. And on rewatch, it's just not that great. It's just notable because, like you said, it's the first time it's that the they're kind of taking it seriously. Mm-hmm. And they didn't put them in bright costumes and they kind of tried to grounded. I feel the same way about Batman Begins. When you see the epic scenes of him traveling across the world to train, you're like, oh, this is this is a different Batman. This is he's going deep and he's uh it's all of a sudden seems more epic and 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 huge. I agree. I was thinking the same thing um reflecting on X-Men. I thought, yeah, the the Nolan Batman trilogy was so earth-shattering. It was just a different style and comparing that to like Batman and Robin Batman yeah. versus Robin Batman versus everyone in that movie uh, but I mean it's changed so much in, in not very in pretty much a short time and I like the direction it's going but you know with Batman versus Superman it got too dark it got too serious let me ask you this do you are you getting fatigued yet do you see this this is, this is interesting because she's not the comic yes yeah, this continue. is what I want to know you are not uh, you are not kind of where we're coming from you are the mass audience that they kind of want uh, to you because now we have Doctor Strange coming up I'm so excited ne- <laughs> yeah Doctor oh that's gonna be great next year there's gonna be another eight uh, in 2018 there's like 40 tentpole movies coming out is this approaching the bursting of a bubble to you or are you still hanging in there well when i heard that batman v superman was coming out i was like really they're really stretching for it but apparently it's a comic book which i found out yeah and 
and so you know I had that gut reaction to it I very much enjoy all the Avengers films I, I, I don't know I guess it's my wheelhouse I guess I just really enjoy superhero films um the Spider-Man one really makes me scratch my head because <laughs> they haven't been that successful. So maybe they this they just keep thinking they're just going to get it right at some point. But well, the reason for that, why that's exciting, is that the the they, the deal with Sony and Marvel kind of giving Spider-Man back to his home at Marvel and having Kevin Feige uh, deal with the characters and the way he's dealt with all the Marvel characters. Like they haven't missed yet to me this is like a reset like i love the sam raimi movies because it was his vision but now this is spider-man back at home uh being dealt with uh with care so that to me is why and then like you said tom holland sold it so well it got people were like ah spider-man again and now they're like holy shit spider-man again i want to see this and that's what i mean you find a guy that can really nail the character and then have a director that says here's my vision on it and you're going to have what you had with Tom Holland, and that was yeah. great. But he didn't get there just because he was Tom Holland, because this is a kid that, that has a history in music, uh, musical theater. He was um, Billy Elliot in, yep. in the musical. He can dance. But you know, to say, we're going to go this direction with Spider-Man, you're going to be a younger version of him, but we also kind of want you to be a little bumbling idiot when you're around Tony Stark because he's your idol. Like That took someone saying to him, Hey, this is the way we want to go as well. We, we get that you're talented, but here's my my vision. And it's amazing how in just those few scenes in the movie, you get his character like completely and pretty fleshed out. It's awesome. His comic timing is so so good, and I, I, I'm I'm big into comedy. I love comedy, yeah. so I, I analyze comedy, and I, I go back to like Ghostbusters this summer, which I did not like. I still haven't seen that. I gotta watch it. And, uh, would you would you recommend watching it? Um, <laughs> I think we gave it like a seventy eight percent on our rating scale. Okay. I wanted it again. I wanted it to be great just because of all the hype about people hating it. I wanted it to, to be good just for the sake of being good. And you know, going back to our whole discussion about powerful women and, and women having chances, it's like I saw the cast for this and thought this is going to be great, but the comedy it couldn't decide what it wanted to be. It, it, it times was too over the top. And at times they, they did like almost deadpan delivery, which really worked, but they, they tried two different tracks and it didn't work overall. I heard there was like, just maybe a little too many, uh, you know, men are stupid jokes to, uh, just go over the top with that. No, I mean, they did the, the typical thing with, I hate I hate when movies do this just for the sake of doing it. Bad moms did it in one scene and then moved on. Thank God, because that was actually pretty funny. Oh. They do the thing where they're like, "Hey, we have women. Let's let's let them say the worst words we can think of, and they're going to be funny." It's like uh. that doesn't always work because it's it's such a thing now. You see that in almost every bridesmaids type movie where the women are just saying, you know, the dirtiest, foulest words you can imagine because that's funny. Question. Yeah, no, but you gotta you gotta put a little bit of thought in there. And let me ask you something, uh, Kate. Okay, you, br- you brought up something about comedy, about analyzing comedy. So since we're kind of on the comic booky side, sure. What do you think of Marvel's use of comedy? And do you think DC could use a little bit more comedy in their films? Just as a knee jerk reaction, I think Marvel's got a slick way with comedy. I really enjoy the the patter between the Avengers, especially. I love. 
I love their dialogue. I love their rapport. I love how they've been instructed. I love the the cuts and edits they make in between um, cam reviews. And then the DC universe, I just, I can't even think of a film that I go, that was a really well-written comedy. Like Suicide Squad, oh my God, what was the one line he says when he's the, the fire god? He's like, it's on, bitch. I'm like, that's the best you've come up with? <laughs> you really shouldn't have thing at that point. Do you have a standout comedy scene from a Marvel film? Oh, no, I know, I know well, I'm putting no. you on the spot. When when they're trying to lift the hammer in in yeah oh, that's great it's a great scene I love James Spader by the way I think as Ultron yeah brilliant. I just love him as an actor anyway that's a side note but um I think Robert Downey Jr. really changed the game there too when he was yeah. I remember seeing Iron Man in New York City I went on my own and and saw the film and I was like this guy's amazing his, his way that he can turn a phrase mm-hmm. he's so charming but such an asshole but we care about him and I don't know it, it's a combination of, of the actor of the writing staff and, and just whoever I'm big about editing too I, 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 I'm intrigued by how people cut things together and when they choose to cut away from the actor's face and Mm-hmm. I feel like in DC they they miss in in super- Oh my god that oh, you can editing. learn how not to edit a movie if you watch the uh, DC superhero movies. I have two comments on what you what you said okay. Kate. Um I do agree Robert Downey Jr made I mean we all know this. He made Iron Man. Iron Man if if you weren't aware was like a B-list character at best and from what I've read no one even liked Iron Man. Like he was just an asshole in the comics. Like he, no one cared for him. He was a B-list character, and Robert Downey Jr. single-handedly made that an A-list character. So that's one. I mean, that was just good timing, everything falling yeah, in place. Yeah, it was just them. perfect. Yeah. Perfect casting. Um, and then, two, I really agree, too, with the, the, the um, hammer scene, them lifting. I think it's funny, and I also think it's great because it's a humorous scene, but you still get bits and pieces of each of their character yes. in the scene. You know? mm-hmm. That's you how you need to, you, yeah. Yeah, I mean, you get the, you know, Cap moves the hammer, so you're like, man, this guy might be worthy but then you get like hulk like faking out like he's picking up the hammer like as a prank and you get iron man being like if i if i rule this if i pick this up i'm in reintroducing prima nocta or some shit like, that. <laughs> like, like just absurd shit but it's all like stuff that they would do and black widow's like nah i got nothing to prove like I ain't and then up. later vision's just like oh there you go mate i got your hammer yeah. Which I love Vision, too. He's great. Paul Bettany's great. Delightfully derpy, just kind of like Tom Holland. And again, that could have gone south pretty quick, the the humor that he and Spider-Man were working with, but they had someone to guide them. And Suicide Squad's humor, it was like somebody would, would, would actually have a very witty line, but they wouldn't cut right away to like the next person's reaction. They, yeah, the timing's uh, off. Yeah. And it's, uh, comedy's all about timing. You don't realize that until like someone like you points it out. Like if they would have just cut it a little better, the line works. But the fact that the line doesn't, you know, they don't cut it right.
got Benedict Cumberbatch. <laughs> Actually, I'm I'm excited for Tilda Swinton. <laughs> she should have been Tibetan. <laughs> there, there's another fine line. You say like, okay, let's have more diversity in casting, but you can't cast a white person as. The, the part that Tilda Swinton's playing, people are very upset. So right. w- at what point like, do people realize like, what you're saying is kind of what you're not saying? I, it's, yeah. it's back and forth. It's such a fine line. It, it, it's a weird thing, though, that specific role, because that, that role is kind of uh, a little bit overly racist. <laughs> it's it's overly, racist it's and very controversial st- to begin with. Very stereotypical. And then, I don't know, were you familiar, Kate, with what uh, one of the employees said about China? No. So it was something along the lines of they want this movie to be released in China because it's going to make a ton of money. But they don't want to get involved in the politics between Tibet and China. So they didn't want to cast a Tibetan character because oh. that might cause... Well, because I think the ancient one is uh, originally Tibetan. Right. And there's no way in hell you could put a Tibetan guy in a Chinese movie. Like, that's just not going to work. So there's just all Well, because China weird... considers Tibet a part of China. Yes. And, and Tibet is like, we're Tibet. They are, they are a huge movie market uh, to the point where they've even said that, oh, the, no, the ancient one is – she's Celtic in this one. Yeah, Celtic. Like, they just tried to like – Well, then they went back with it doesn't matter what her race is. It's yeah, not she's just the thing. So which which if if that's the argument that it's not about her race and that then you're still getting the essence of the character then I guess if I'm taking the stance that Mary Jane can be black and I guess I have to go with that too. So much juggling and Suicide Squad didn't even come out in China. Like it was banned along with some other movies. Ghostbusters didn't come out there too. So then, you know, you're hurting your worldwide box office uh by not So how where again, where's that line? Where how far do you bend for China? Uh Listen, I want to get to our recommendations, but before, let's wrap this up, Kate. If someone is going to subscribe to See Here's the Podcast, uh, what are they going to hear? Well, (laughs) they are going to hear about an hour's worth of Patrick and I making up stuff. (laughs) Trying to (laughs) be witty about film, mostly film. Uh, We do speak a lot about theater. We do speak a lot about uh, music, uh, but mostly film. But uh, we, we try to do what you guys do. We, we cover the news clips of the week. And then if we have a special guest, we talk to them for a bit. And if we don't, we actually get to some improv games, some comedy improv games as well. I wanted to say I listened to your most recent episode with uh, – who did you have on? It was a comedy oh, improv troupe? Okay, so Patrick and I used to be a part of this comedy improv troupe uh. in all seriousness. And so we had them on the podcast last week. We had about four of them on. There's probably eight more members as well. But we had four of them on, and they are some of the the quickest, wittiest people I've ever met in my entire life. And um, they've never done a podcast before, and so this was like their first podcast. Oh, wow. (laughs) We just kind of let them tell their story and then kind of let them rip. And and it's just so much fun. We like to listen to the um, Comedy Bang Bang podcast. Ah, that's a good one. Yeah, love watching at midnight. So we like that kind of stuff. You guys check it out, Anthony. I was uh, they played this game 
where you you count down with another person to three, and you just say a random word at the same time. Yep. And and then you do it again, and you the point is to try to get each of you to randomly say the same word. Uh, Kate, I was listening to this on my way home. I was fucking dying. Oh my god! It was because it's just, the first the when you do it the first time, it's the funniest because you get two random words and you're like, what? And then oh, it's so it's such a good game. Plus, I try to like purposely not say the obvious thing. I try yeah, to, to throw it off. Direction and Patrick gets very <laughs> mad at me because I'm like, he'll say he'll say like bread and I'll say like kitchen. So you think oh common ground and then I'll be like pumpernickel and <laughs> like what the hell did you just say? So we love we love playing that game. Right on. Where can uh, people find the podcast? Uh, you can go to our website, which is seeheresthething dot com, or you can find us on Podomatic as See Here's the Podcast. We are also on iTunes and Google Play. Excellent. All right, gang. We're going to recommend some shit to you. Take it or leave it. Doc, 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 doc. And nerd. Doc and nerd. Kate, you are a guest. Uh, would you like to go first? I would. I, what do you got? It, this is a recommendation of something that hasn't come out yet. That's fine. Okay. I am obsessed with this new game coming out in the fall. Okay. It's called Night Terrors. Night Terrors. It is an augmented reality survival horror game. Whoa. And the premise is, is that it's going to take your smartphone and it's going to analyze your house. I don't know how. <laughs> I just play the game. It's yeah. going to analyze your house for like the dimensions and then it's going to like turn your house into a haunted house. Oh, snap. So uh, you, can, you would walk around with your phone up. Yeah. And, and like demons and ghosts would fucking pop out and shit. Yes. I just sent you a link. Ooh. It is creepy as hell when you watch the trailer. They they had a thing on Indiegogo. It's it's now since closed to to fund it, and it's apparently coming out in October. And it it can mess with your phone. It can like send you text messages. It it even has an Apple Watch component so that it can oh, analyze no. your heartbeat. Yeah. Oh my goodness. It's, oh no. That's this insane. is act. This is like Black Mirror. It's gonna turn tech against us. It is. Yeah. And when you watch oh, the trailer, you you like you'll pass your phone by a wall, and then like a, a, a ghost will appear, and it'll start chasing you, or you'll you'll put your phone over like a picture, and the picture will fall off the wall. I don't know how they're gonna do this. But- <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I bet with like headphones, the sound mix would be amazing. It says gameplay is deceptively simple. You only have to do two things: save the girl, survive. <laughs> what if I'm the girl? How do I save myself? How could you save yourself? I don't know. This may be a little too scary. That sounds cool. Yeah. It's an Indiegogo campaign. I will put a link in the show notes right on. That's awesome. Yeah. And like I said, the, the campaign's already closed. They already raised $46,000. Jeez. So there, I read somewhere the other day that this is happening in October, which is prime time for haunted house season. And I love haunted houses and I can't wait. That's dope. Right on. That's a good one. Anthony, what you got? <laughs> Mine's going to be super off the wall and super fucking uh, douchey. Okay. Okay. Here, let me give you this. Bro, do you even podcast? Okay, there you go. <laughs> that's, that's me. Um, so I was in Las Vegas a couple uh, less than, like over a little about two weeks ago, actually. Exactly. Yep. And I like to party. So if you're going to go to Vegas and you like to party, you should definitely go to the Win Encore Hotel and go to XS, that's the name of the club, XS letters, Night Swim. 
This is a nighttime pool party. Whoa. It starts at 1030 at night and goes till five in the morning. Whoa. It is literally like Out- walking outdoor? into a party. Outdoors, literally like walking into a music video. It is bananas. <laughs> is it like the Skrillex Rick Ross video? Purple Lamborghini? Purple, I purple Lamborghini? Su- I wouldn't be surprised if you saw the Joker uh, running around. Jared Leto there. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He, you, might, you might see Jared Leto. He might be sending around used condoms. It's fantastic. There's uh, fucking Common with tattoos is hanging out and shit. Oh, yeah. All right. So excess night swim for <laughs> any of you people going to Vegas. I don't know. If you're going to, if you're going to Las Vegas and you're not a fucking uh, virgin ass nerd. I think I think most of our listeners spend all their money on comic books and may not be able to afford a trip to Vegas. Hey, you, you want to get baptized? Go there real quick. Ah, ah, ah. OK, good one. I'm going to go with I had a bunch. Anthony, do you remember? Have I talked about Mr. Robot before? Have I recommended that? You've, you've talked about it a lot. I don't know if you've actually officially – you probably have. I, you know what? I have to again because the, last week – the show is in its second season. Uh, last week, it pulls a gigantic – Oh, shit. Uh, in the first season, like in the seventh episode, they have this fucking giant twist. The show, of course, stars Remy Malik as Elliot and it's kind of, it's about hacking and uh the NSA and like Snowden stealing information but it goes deeper than that uh a couple of reasons why I love the show it's clearly one guy's vision Sam Ismail writer creator it's style stylistic like it's one guy's vision he shoots fucking conversations so awkward and weird you've never seen anyone shoot shit like this so Kate, you've seen a lot of movies. You know, a standard, like, conversation shot. If someone is talking to someone off screen to the right, they're going to be on the left side of the screen, right? Kind of looking to the right. Sure. Right? Normal. This motherfucker, if there's a guy talking to the right, literally his head is all the way in the lower right corner. The rest of the frame is, like, half of the ceiling, the background. Uh, Is it jarring? No. It's quirky, and it really helps set... This mood, a lot of these shots, like half of the ceiling is in the shot. And it's like, it's like he knocked the camera and then just left it. But the more you see it, the more you get used to this quirky style. It adds to the the narrative of the story. And now again, second season, episode seven, they pull another fucking twist that I'm like, what, what is real in this show? What are you doing to me, Mr. Robot? And when a show could do that to me, uh, I fucking, I'm in, I love it. Kate, you seen any of the Mr. Robot? I have not, but I've heard great things. Yeah, it's pretty good. Also, what I love is the hacking. They have a hacking consultant. It's accurate. Like, they're, it's actual hacking. The guy's, he's using a mouse, which is one of the things I hate in movies. Like, people are just typing. They never use a mouse. What are you doing? That's not how you hack. But the guy's like, this is actual hacking code. The timing of it, he makes sure that, like, the cuts time, how much time it would take to type these things in it's like so well researched that you could probably learn how to hack a thing or two and they're hacking like the fbi and corporations and it's a little v for vendetta mixed with fight club mixed with some other shit it's great so one last thing we're gonna wrap it up we got listener feedback i got an email from a listener he says hey imran my name is Brett, and I'm a faithful listener of Jock and Nerd. First of all, let me say that you, Anthony, and Ruggs are all one of the brightest parts of my week every week. Terrific. 
I know that recording the show might seem ordinary or somewhat of a chore from time to time as you've been doing it so long, but just remember that you are all making a difference and there are many out there whom you've never met who are grateful for you, even if one of you is a felty fellow with an often less than stellar slack hole. Uh, All of this is to say I just listened to your most recent episode and that you all have stopped live streaming for a brief time. I work for a live video streaming company called BoxCast. We specialize in 1080 HD streaming. Our solution is a bit different than what you've been using, but if you'd like to correspond or chat about streaming, let me know. I'd love to connect. Blessings to you, and thanks again, Brett uh, Zadovka. I think that's how you say his name. His last name starts with three consonants. And uh, one of them is a B, but I think the B is silent. I'm cool with that. Brad Zavka. Similar. Listen, yeah, that's true. I don't know. I still don't know how the fuck to say your last name or anything. Uh, but, Brad, thanks for writing in. Thanks for listening. And I, I love that sentiment because sometimes, Kate, and I bet you get this too, it kind of feels like we're just yelling into a void and it's just going out there. And it's moments like these where I'm like, oh, this is, this is why I love doing this show. That's the name of my autobiography, Yelling Into a Void. Yelling into a void. Oh, oh, I think that's 10. Maybe Woo! I think you need a couple more. Uh, <laughs> and also, uh, I, you know, I apologize for, uh, you probably wanted to meet the puppet. I, I, I hype the puppet. Uh, problem with having a puppet as a co-host is that his brain is made of cotton. So he forgets when he double books things. And also his hands are made of felt. So he can't really use his calendar app on his phone. It just doesn't register. Oh, I really like, uh, that thing. I get that. Yeah. Yeah, right? It's sad. It's almost like he doesn't exist. So, uh, I'm sure Rugboy will... Uh, we always have him here, so, because you can always... Who cares? A jock said that. I, I can always have him insult Anthony when he's not here, which mm-hmm. is the best part. <laughs> <laughs> well, I have to meet him someday. You will. You will def- Listen, you come back on the show anytime, and uh, you will, will be, there'll be more geeking out with... I mean, you, now you're familiar with the format, so, you know... You'll be a lot more comfortable next I time. I hope you enjoyed this. I kind of wanted to give you right a, a place to just nerd out to the extreme, oh, like more than you're comfortable with on your own show maybe. Just think the next time I'll be even better because I'm actually naturally shy. Ah. But it takes me a few a few meetings to like really, really show you my geekiness. So this is a taste of it because I'm actually way more geeky. I love it. I love it. You're yeah, naturally shy. And yeah. you do a podcast. And, she, and, and you were like in musical theater and shit. How are you shy? That's how I kind of overcame it was I, I started off like just kind of, I don't know. I, I wanted to be more extroverted, but I was always very, very critical of like what people would say about what I said. Mm-hmm. And so I just became very quiet in, in middle school. And then when I turned more to musical theater and performing, that kind of gave me a voice and, and singing gave me a voice. And so I've overcome that. And I mean, it's only been with age really and a lot of alcohol, but <laughs> <laughs> you're on the right path. Listen, no, you'd never, but I kind of get that. I kind of get that. You can be an introvert and still be a performer because totally when you're totally. on, yeah, when you're on stage, it's you, if you've rehearsed, you're prepared, you know, your job, you get that rush. And in that moment, it's just you and uh, everything else goes away. Well, I think and you be yourself It's in like theater and music. And this is really sad, but you know, they're, they're not the most popular things at school. Right. At least it wasn't when I was going to school and, and now they're, it's totally different, but you're you're often criticized for doing what you love, and so you get really quiet about it. You don't want to talk about it because kids are are ready to just kind of rip you apart. So, I went through this stage of just kind of being kind of off to myself, and and then went through college. And when I realized that the people out there doing what I love didn't care that I was mm-hmm. or, or liked musical theater or whatever, it was like, oh, 
okay, this is the real world. Okay. I can kind of get over that. And it took, it took me kind of leaving even grad school to kind of find my, my real voice. And now I just don't shut up. So I have <laughs> never shut up. Never, ever shut never up. stop. Look, it's only going to get you places, but I could totally relate, man. I was in high school theater. And, uh, so man, to- you're talking to a woman, dude. No, no. Well, look, it doesn't matter. I could dude, totally relate, man. I could totally relate, dude. <laughs> what, what you need to know is that I have, I grew up, I have vitiligo. So, I was born. Right. He, he's an albino. I was born a little brown boy, like I'm Pakistani, and then I'm right now. I'm completely white. Line from the jerk. I was born a small black child. <laughs> I was born a small brown child, and that is the beginning of the jerk. Absolutely, I was born a small brown child. But in high school, like I, my skin wasn't even like I. I it kind of looked like I was wearing white gloves. Like my hands were white up to my wrist, my arms were brown, and my elbows would have white patches. So. You know, going to school, Chicago public school, not the easiest thing when you're you're all spotty and looking at that. But then when I got the courage to try out for a play and I got to be on stage for the first time, I really felt like I could be myself on stage more than I was like out in public with people. Absolutely. Does that make sense? That makes perfect sense because like you said, you're given somebody else's words and you're somebody else. So you can kind of say, look, I'm not being me right now. I'm being this person. This person's powerful and they have, they make people laugh and you get a a real high off of that. And, and I think that's why people that do theater keep coming back to it. But I have to ask, what was the play that you were in or musical? Oh, I did. A, I'll, I'll answer for him. Uh, Joseph and the Technicolor Dream. No, it wasn't. No, look, I, I, there was a bunch. Uh, I started, uh, I was in Fiddler on the Roof. I was in that too. I, I played, this was in 1989 during the Persian Gulf War, and they cast the Muslim guy as the bum in the Jewish play. I don't know what that's saying, but that's just how I read it. Uh, I was... <laughs> I was dirty as fuck. I was typecast. Oh shit! I was typecast a lot as like the preacher. I was in Seven Brides for Seven Brothers, okay. where I had to I had to marry all of them at once. You you weren't allowed to have a bride. You had to send them. No, I had to marry them. Oh. And then I did. Uh, one of the best things was we would do student directed plays, and what the one we did was a Woody Allen play called God, where I got like the lead, and I was li- pretty much on stage the whole time. And uh, it really, that's when I fell in love with Woody Allen even more. I researched, and it's a great play. It's kind of dirty. We cut the dirty parts out because we were in high school. We almost got away with an orgasm joke, but they made us cut it out. Oh, yeah. They're stupid high school censorship and parents. Yeah. And then in college, I went on to do like, uh, was we did Pippin. I did uh, Jesus, Jesus Christ Superstar. I was Herod. Uh, I did some student films, but uh, it was fun. That's awesome. I've yeah. done a few of those myself. Yeah, it's a fun time. But yeah, you definitely get put into that. Oh, he's like the theater geek, uh, whatever. I just played some basketball and wrestled. What did, Anthony, what did you think of the uh, people <laughs> in, the, in the acting crowd in high school when you were going to high school? So I was in the high school in like the early 2000s. Yeah. Um, Me too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm a lot older than both of you. Fuckers, the, so. uh, I don't know. I, I, I don't think it was... Uh, it was still kind of nerdy for sure. It was still kind of that stigma of uh, these kind of weird guys are doing it. But when I was in high school, like the weird people were still like everyone kind of knew each other and it was still like it was getting to be okay almost. It was on like this transition point of like, yeah, those people are weird, but they're kind of weird and it's cool. Like we're friends with them. So it got, it's gotten better. Seems like it got I better. mean, it's, it's gotten better. Even I think it's even better since. I mean, this is purely anecdotal, but from what I've seen, I think it's cool. It's 
You can do whatever the fuck you want yeah. in high school. Well, that's good. It's progress. High school is very different from what I went now. I'll tell you what. Oh, yeah. Uh, we didn't have to go through metal detectors or anything. Ah, uh, all right. Well, gang, listen, we're going to wrap up the show. Kate, where can the listener find you? Where do you want them to go? Well, do you want like my specific address? Because that's just creepy. Where do you live and what is your phone number? Imran will ask you, ask you for that. <laughs> Security number <laughs> is. <laughs> no, in the digital sense, uh, where can we say hi? You can say hi at my, my website, seeheresthething.com. Or if you want to email me, it's kate at seeheresthething.com. Um, I'm on Twitter at Kate Amatuzo, which is very original. And Facebook, we are at facebook.com slash see here's the thing. And, you know, Instagram and YouTube. We actually have a YouTube. That's kind of fun. We sometimes we just started um, live streaming our podcast. We use Ooh. Hangout, which was successful, but the audio wasn't so good. So maybe give us a few tries before you listen in. It's the big, it's the big thing. Everybody's live streaming. We just uh, we're taking a break. Yeah, it's it's tough because sometimes the connection, like you'll get the little warning from Facebook Live, your connection is weak, and I it 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 gives me an ego <laughs> ego check, like your connection's weak. Oh, okay. <laughs> don't tell me about my connection, Facebook. You're weak. That's right. So, <laughs> a lot of different ways. Just just look for see here's the thing or see here's the podcast. You'll find us right on listener, of course. All the links in the show notes, jockender.com slash one twenty two. And if you go to the show notes, you will find a link to our store. Uh, you could get a T-shirt or a, a mug or a water bottle or a little bandana with our logo on it. Just visit jockandnerd.com slash shop. It's lots of fun. I agree. And then also, if you want to contact us, jockandnerd.com slash contact. There's a fucking variety of ways you can contact us. And if you want to uh, support the show on another level besides buying our merch and listening to our shit, um, go on to jockandnerd.com slash review. Hit that subscribe button on iTunes or whatever your fucking podcast app that you're listening to is. I'm sorry for swearing so much. <laughs> it's just and getting it all out at the end, I feel. I'm just getting this all like this quote shit out. <laughs> and uh, also write us a nice review and give us that five-star rating, bitches. Rate and review it, people. Kate, thank you so much for hanging out. This has been a pleasure. You are so delightful. I hope you come back. I would love to like have you in our rotating cast because we need a female point of view from the outside occasionally because we're just a bunch of geeks, uh, you know, in our preset uh, ways here. I would love that. I, I, this has been so much fun. And and like I said, this is like my first guest appearance on anybody's podcast outside of my own, (laughs) which God, I hope we didn't, I hope we didn't scare you from, I hope I'm not a guest on my own podcast. Yeah. (laughs) I hope we didn't scare you off from, uh, guesting on other podcasts. I told you I grew up next door to two boys. I'm used to this kind of language. There you go. I'm going to have to apologize. I have had a very bad potty mouth throughout this whole show. Look, I warned her before she knew what she was getting. Very well we, before we even started the podcast for our listeners, it's Kate and Imran talking or whatever, whatever the hell they're doing. And I jump in and the first thing I say is penis. Oh, shit. I was like, nice, nice potty mouth. I'm talking to Kate here. It's, okay. it's actually the first thing I said. So, yeah, well, that's true. Yeah. You missed that. She started with penis also. You just well, you that- missed it. High five. We'd get along great. Fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, we tell everyone at the end of the show, listener, if you like what you heard. The one thing you gotta do is tell a friend. Find a fellow geek, nerd, jock. Run up to them. Give them one of these. Jock and nerd. Real sultry-like, right in their ear. And then run away. And they'll be so confused, they'll have to look it up. Or you can give them one of these. Jock and nerd. It's more of a Shatner right. delivery, you know? Yeah, yeah. That's more respectable. <laughs> 
Thanks for listening. We appreciate every second you put us in your ear holes. This has been the Jock and Nerd Podcast. My name is Imran. My name's Anthony. He's the jock. He's the nerd. We'll hear you next time. And we're out. Sometimes we record a little post-show, Kate, but I, uh, thank you so much for hanging out. Sorry for the yeah, technical we've, difficulties. We've, we've taken up a lot yeah, of Yeah, it's, uh, uh, it's been long. It's been – it went a little longer than it should have, but – Was it fun? It was so much fun. I, I, I really had a really good time with it. Good. I don't have I'm a bad so time right now because I'm not teaching. School doesn't start for another five days. Yeah, and it's Friday, so it's like, whatever. Well, sometimes we like to do a little post-show where uh, Anthony's got to run, though, I believe. Uh, yeah, I haven't eaten dinner. Oh. And, I, and I, when I record these podcasts, Kate, I'm actually at my parents' house. Oh. <laughs> I, I have to, like, go back to my apartment. Such a, after. Such a millennial. Didn't you me before for, be, for being a nerd and you're recording at your parents' house? <laughs> ah, oh, yeah. That's a bonus one for you. you, you I think yeah. you passed your quota. Hey, hey, that's cool, man. I, 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 I'll take it. I can dish it out and I'll take it too.